This is Unfilter, episode 242 for June 28th, 2017. Hey, man. We met in Palm Springs a few years back. Good to see you, man. You good? Yeah. How you been? What are you doing? What, what, what do you think is going to happen this week, I mean, with the whole Russia thing? Well, the Russia thing is just a big nothing burger. Really? Hungry for a uh, whole lot of nothing burger with a large side of bias, and uh, you know I'll go with with a diet uh, Trump on this one. Yes. Extra salt too. Dude. Extra salt. Yes. Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of Unfiltered Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. I'm Chase, running the board this week. Very new guy. Uh, Happy to be here. Super excited. Unfortunately, he has some sort of injury. Yeah, you can't see it. No. On, on the on the audio. No. Can't but you really. have to trust me on this. Yeah, some sort of brace. What but I'm do? here. What did my you first do? time here? What did you do? <laughs> yeah, first time here. Uh, you know, actually, what did you, do? Do you, you the, the, the well, wait, wait. The a unfortunate is it, is kind it, of bummer is, truth is it's editing all the clips for this show. <laughs> bullshit. I'm not. I 100. Really? I'm 100 honest. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So it, it's just it catches up with me on Wednesdays. It's, Wednesdays are bad, and so then I can't oh. use my hand for two days. So I've just decided I'm going to wear a brace hey, during hey, Wednesdays. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, hmm. you have two. Use the other one. I, I did actually order a trackpad, which I will use left-handed when my right hand is uh, is beginning to hurt. Oh, but yeah, enough. I got the Microsoft ergonomic like vertical mouse, mm. so that helps. Well, well you got. There, I don't know if you heard. Good news. Uh, Obamacare is not going away quite yet, uh, so you can go get that taken care of real fast. I feel like I just need a standing desk, really. Oh, uh, uh, you're gonna no. no. I mean, this no. is this right here is a standing desk. This is yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. That's true. What you need is a big ball to sit on. The reason I say that is I think it's part posture. That's why I say that. Yeah, I need a big ball. Uh, so we have a lot to get into. Our cyber segment could have been the whole show this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. But I know. There is quite a bit also to get into in the whole Russia election collusion. He said, she said stuff. Uh, and then the overtime is huge this week, too. So a lot. So let's do our cyber. Are yes. you are you ready for this? Was, this was the big story. Really slamming companies all over the world. Tracy Carrasco here now with those details. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning. Now, this ransomware wreaked havoc on big companies in Europe and North America, capitalizing on the same vulnerabilities that froze more than 300,000 computer systems around the world with the WannaCry cyber attack we saw in May. Yeah, you heard that right. This is taking advantage of the same flaw that WannaCry took advantage. Yes, that same old flaw. Wow. Using that same NSA. Right. So, Chris, talk to me for a minute. You you have experience in the private sector, okay? You you did this intrusion detection stuff, and you were able to patch crap and make things good. Patched my ass, dude. So, companies already they got the warning shot across the bow. All right, about this before. That's what really upsets me about this so, story. What the hell? That is exactly what upsets me about this. Is um, the the. The uh, the writing was on the wall when WannaCry took off. Yes, and and if and if after WannaCry you have systems that have any connection or any management, even systems that monitor critical infrastructure, there is either a no reason for them to still be unpatched because yep. even Microsoft released old patches for XP. Yes, they did. Or b, there is zero reason for them to be on any kind of network that is publicly routable. Right. I can't I can't fathom of it. Like one of the stories is is that Chernobyl. Chernobyl 
You know, the, like yeah. the, the the place that the melted down. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. That place, the, the the radiation monitoring of that place went offline because of this. Holy crap! Now, if that story is true, and I have it linked in the show notes, if that story is true, what what the hell does that? Do the monitoring systems have any connection to any kind of public routable address space? What what the hell's going it's on? It's because someone's lazy and they rather you know have it connected so they don't they can monitor. I mean, like at work. We have some systems that are really old. We have some Windows 2000 systems. We actually have some XP systems that are sitting out there. But they are not connected to anything. They are isolated. They are for one-task situations only. Uh, it's a very safe situation. The, there's no excuse here. And these are companies either being lazy or cheap or both. Especially after WannaCry. We had a Absolutely. conversation on the live stream uh, about uh, the uh, about uh, Germany uh, essentially going to mandate backdoors into things like WhatsApp and whatnot, Shit. and you 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 look at things like this with WannaCry and now yeah. Petya, where part of this is using NSA malware that was leaked via shadow brokers because the NSA cached zero-day vulnerabilities in Windows. They built up a cache of them. They saved, they held on to these zero-day vulnerabilities for their own exploits so they could have backdoor access and they created malware to exploit that and then they leaked it. It got leaked and Shadow Brokers published it and now that is being used by WannaCry and Petya to do this. And it is a case point and case closed example why government should not have backdoor access to applications like Telegram or SSL encryption or GPG encryption. Uh, Chris, I, I just got a text message here from my good friend, uh, Theresa May. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And yeah. How's she, she doing? It, you know, she's doing good. Uh, she says, you know, this is exactly the reason why we need to have backdoor. Oh, oh wait. wait. But something about hashtag terrorism, right? Yeah, something like kids. We saw in May. This cyber attack called Pedia appeared to target the Ukraine where government officials and businesses reported interference to the power grid. Government offices, banks, and stores. In particular, computers at the Chernobyl nuclear plant were affected, resulting in radiation levels having to be monitored manually. <laughs> what the hell? Russia's top oil producer, Rosneft, said it was also hacked, as well as Danish shipping giant AP Moller Maersk and Britain's WPP, the largest advertising company in the world. Pharmaceutical giant Merck became the first major U.S. company impacted by the ransomware. This might as well be a shame list of people who it aren't updating their to be systems. A, and notice this is on Fox Business because that tells me I need to uh, get my investments out of these companies. Yeah, yeah. Computers would receive a message like this, then essentially all of its data was held hostage. It's almost right. identical to the WannaCry uh, message. It's, it's just in a different UI. It's nice of them, by the way, to put the Bitcoin out there address. So so if you want to just go ahead and give money anyway, you can just do that. So I'll, let's come back to that. Scrambling right. it until a payment was made. In this case, $300 in the digital currency Bitcoin was demanded. Why only $300? Well, they had to pick an arbitrary amount, and they picked $300. $300? And they're going after infrastructure, government... $300? Because I guess their their mode of thinking is a company would pay $300 to make it go away. I guess if you have 20 systems infected. Right. Let, I mean, let's say you're... Because I think a company would pay $1,000 to make... See, that's what's... You're going after government and companies, you could charge a million dollars. Right. And I, I guess, you know, when you're the hacker, you try to find that balance, you know, how much money you want to Well, hold so hostage. here's here's the, where I'm going with this. Right. I mean, I guess this is... Here's are, are you... Do I smell... No, you're well, not. Well, I guess here's here's what I did. Okay. Is I looked at the address. Anybody can. You can go look up and look it out on blockchain right now. Um, blockchain.info or whatever it is. 45, only out of all of these thousands of systems. Yeah. 
hundreds of countries, yeah. only 45 people have paid the ransom. That's it? For, it's public. The address yeah. is right there. Yeah, it's so that's for, it? 45. 45. As of, as of us going on the air right now. That's weird too, right? Kind of makes it seem like it's not that big of a deal in a way. Because $300 is a good deal to get 40, your data back. Wait, 45. It's not like it's thousands of dollars. Well, it's 300 bucks. To be fair, that the number doesn't correlate to the number of machines infected, of course. Of and course, it, and yeah. If, and you may have some smart... Like, after the, the first exploit, the first WannaCry outbreak, they figured out that there's a way to get around it. Like, you know, unplugging in, changing your local host, uh, DNS entry to point to a different place. and So maybe the same fix applies. I don't know. Uh, but then, I mean, it, it, would be, it would seem to be that you would have to pay per computer to decrypt the information. Mm. And so, also, also, if I follow the timeline correctly, uh, uh, people have still been paying even after they their email servers were shut down. So you never get the email with the key if you pay them at this oh. point. And people, I think, have still been paying. If I, I, I might have the timeline uh, wrong, but I, following, I believe that is the case. I was going to say, another in the chat room saying you know, <clears throat> the, the, the amount is irrelevant. The malware was a cover for attack on the Ukraine infrastructure. Perhaps, but it also affected computers in Europe, in Russia, and right. in the U.S. So, I, but I think well, maybe another's on the right track a little bit is it's not about the ransom. It's not about the amount money. It's just a matter of causing a disruption and, and, and showing vulnerabilities in these systems. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, like, is this the way you do that? Ransomware? with Is that the way you do it? Well, because if you... I guess the ransomware, it, that's the shock value, right? That's yeah. like, oh, my God, my computer, oh, my yeah. stuff. I didn't back mm-hmm. up my crap. Mm-hmm. It, it's all locked out. That's going to make a headline. If I was going to roll some bacon, I w- it would go a little something like this. Okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big computer geek who's invested a lot of money into Bitcoin. All right. And Bitcoin's been on a hell of a rally recently. Yes, they have. And in the last couple of weeks, it's been a, pretty much a semi-decline. It's had a couple of peaks, but it's mostly on the trend is downward. And uh, here's what I know. I know this WannaCry thing just wrecked havoc across computers with this unpatched vulnerability. The information's out there on how to write it. The tools, the, the kit's been ha- half written by the NSA for me. What I could yeah. do is slap a few of these things together, start spreading it around, and I could artificially raise the price of Bitcoin or at least keep it high while I sell out my Bitcoin because this drives a lot of attention. People start buying Bitcoin. People, you know, 45 wow. people maybe went and bought Bitcoin now. And, and I mean, by the way. But, it, but also it could drive more. Like it, I'm just saying this yeah. is another no, – that, it could literally just be some, some Bitcoin hacker that wants to get rise the, raise the price. And by the way, you know, NVIDIA just released a, a video card. That shit's stupid. Dude. <laughs> you know what? So it's AMD and a, AMD and Actually, NVIDIA. Was, AMD was great for it, you know, it for a while, right? Here's my question. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna put this in user error, but my why aren't they making it like this for why why aren't what they what they're doing for these cards they should do for all video cards. They're making the fans capable of running twenty four seven under additional heat. They're making them essentially more robust. Yeah. They're not doing anything crazy powerful for compute. And by the way, Little little t- unfilter tip: If you're trying to mine Bitcoin on your GPU, you're wasting your money and your time. You need an ASIC at this point. Was demanded. Security experts say Tuesday's cyber attack shares something in common with last month's WannaCry attack. Both were spread by using digital break-in tools allegedly created by the National Security Agency and recently leaked to the web. Systems that did not perform necessary security patches made for easy targets. We have built up over the years a huge digital debt. We haven't been patching our systems effectively. We haven't been keeping them up to date. And that really has led to this sort of problem occurring uh, again and again. 
A Microsoft spokesperson says we are continuing to investigate and will take appropriate action to protect customers. Customers have to protect themselves. Did you hear that last part right there, no, Chase? No, I missed that. Protect customers. Customers have to protect themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Disconnect it from the internet. Yeah. Install a patch. You don't need tons of cyber legislation and think tanks and panels and contractors. The, the problem is when these companies are being gross negligent in regards to that stuff. When they are being lazy yeah. or they're cutting budgets yeah. and they're not paying attention to IT security. And, well, and there's are there's also when you outsource monitoring and management yeah. and they have to be able to remotely monitor it. It has yeah. to be connected to some sort of routable IP address space yeah. so that way now here, but there are ways around that. You could build an isolated network. You could put a you could put a very hardened machine in there that has a network interface. Hell, it could be a firewall yeah. that has special rules where a VPN box or something. There, there are so many ways where you could build a network where yeah. you could have it remotely monitored, but still have it not addressable via the internet, where things could just spread to it, or just you know patch your ass, just patch, patch your ass. it. So that uh, that was a sort of the global view, yeah. but it uh, it did happen. It, it wasn't just like a Ukrainian thing. That's the thing. It's it's essentially it gets spread once it gets on the internet and you have a vulnerable system. It's a worldwide thing. It is quiet. It's yes. too quiet at the yeah. largest uh-huh. terminal, the uh-huh. Port of L.A. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's shut down because yeah. of a global cyber attack. What? CBS 2's Cara Finstrom is live in San Pedro. And Cara, any word when that terminal will get back to business? <laughs> At this point, Sharon, no, but port officials here telling us that they will be reassessing everything a little later on this morning. Take a look. That is the terminal we're talking about behind us right there. You can see the massive cargo moving equipment at a standstill here this morning. Everything was shut down at about 6 yesterday morning at this APM terminal. The Danish shipping company Maersk works out of it and is one of the companies that's been targeted in the global ransomware attack. Now, fortunately, a port spokesperson says no ships were due in or out yesterday or today. Well, that's convenient. Well, that's nice. So at this point, the closure has only affected cargo moving and trucking operations. The hackers also targeted U.S. drug maker Merck and food brands or and Nabisco. And as we mentioned, this was a global attack with Europe hit hard. It crippled banks, airports, hospitals, and even grocery stores. Crippled them, Chase. Crippled them. All they got to do is just turn off the computer and turn it back on. I love how the media crippled hospitals. You see how they see that? Get that? Yeah. Crippled hospitals. Yeah. I love how they write that. Yeah. They're, they're good. Like the, these reports, you know, they have time to write Chris, these things. Chris, people are dying. People are dying, because and I don't. I don't appreciate yeah. the joking. Right. This is a very su- super su- serious. serious. <laughs> Behind the scenes, I always like to try to follow like the stories that seem to be happening that could be tangentially related, but we're not getting the full take on. Yeah. While all of this is going down, one of the companies that originally found some of this NSA malware that's being used was Kaspersky. Does that ring a bell, Kaspersky? Yeah, that's a Russian company, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah, and they got offices here in the U.S., and they're pretty well-respected in terms of security researchers, and they've often gotten kind of annoyed at people implying that, oh, they're just a bunch of, uh, you know, a cover for the Russian government, because they're like, no, we we stand on our research. Like, our research speaks for itself. Right, like, yeah. this is good public stuff here that we've, pu- we've published. Uh, but today... They got a knock on the door from the FBI. Oh. 
FBI agents on Tuesday visited at least a dozen employees of Kaspersky Lab, a Russia-based cybersecurity company, inquiring about the company's operations as part of a counterintelligence inquiry. A classic FBI investigative tactic, agents visited the homes of the employees at the end of the workday, sources said. Kaspersky has long been of interest to the U.S. government. Its cybersecurity software is widely used in the U.S., and its billionaire owner has close ties to some Russian intelligence Uh-oh. figures, according to United States officials. So that's, uh, how would you pronounce that, Chase? That name right there, Wuchit? Uh, Wuchit? Wokit? Wokit, they generate Wuchit? news clips. Yeah, it's yeah. one of their generated, and I, I don't know if they programmatically put the piano music in there or how that, <laughs> if that's human, but yeah. So the FBI is investigating Kaspersky, and they also went to their home. So as these guys are getting home from work, the FBI is sitting there waiting for them. Now, I wonder, I wonder legally... I mean, you're just an employee, and then you're off the clock. You're not. You, you don't. You're not. You don't have to talk to them. I don't know. Maybe you do. I, don't I know. mean, who you can't you, you can't be made to talk to them. I feel like you probably could in I a don't way. Know. I don't know. I, I like wish if they have a subpoena, would... right? Like, or well, like if they no, have like a subpoena means, to search your house. Well, you mean a search warrant? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Right, but but I mean, you're not legally required to talk. But if they show up at your house with a search warrant, like they're going to go through your house, they could search your house. Yes, but as far as having to talk to them, you don't have to talk to them. Right. Maybe they come up and they can got a deal for you. Hey, hey, what's Putin telling you? Um, (laughs) let's go back to that conversation. The Sawana cry now, Petya, or however you however you want to say it, is uh, exploiting these uh, vulnerabilities that. The NSA stockpile these these essentially these backdoors these zero day exploits which give them backdoor access to proprietary Windows systems. I think this is another example. There's many we've covered some, several of them in TechSnap in the past too. Examples where a backdoor is put in and eventually it gets leaked out, or a vulnerability is discovered, it's held, eventually it's made public, and then everybody jumps on it. I, I find that to be probably the lens we should look at this next story in. Investigators looking into the St. Petersburg metro bombing in April say the attacker and his accomplices used a controversial encrypted messaging service. Uh-oh. You okay. mean like Telegram? To plan and carry out the atrocity. I got more details earlier from my correspondent, Ilya Petrenko. The Telegram messaging app is famous for its outstanding levels of privacy with all the encryption, with the secret chats. Just to remind you, almost three months ago, a suicide bomber killed 15 people in the St. Petersburg metro. And the investigation into that got to the point when the Russian Federal Security Service are saying that at all stages of the preparation, both uh, the attacker and whoever assisted him in Russia and abroad were using Telegram. Another thing that they're saying is that Telegram, with all its encryption features, has become the most widely used app by terrorist organizations in Russia. Yikes. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of pressure. Oh, man, Theresa May is going to really want that back door. And I think the Russian government is setting up pressure, too. I think it's going to be coming from their own home turf as well. Oh, boy. I think think Telegram is going to be... It's going to be under a lot of pressure. Uh, so what we're going to switch to next, Name Chris. dropping. <laughs> you know, I, do, do we care? I mean, you look at the you look at the success of things like Slack and Skype yeah, and Telegram true. and yeah. WhatsApp and iMessage. I don't think people care. Yeah. I mean, for hey, I love you and I'm on my way home. You know, I don't really care. Uh, yeah, I'll be there at five. 
people just don't care. Yeah, what, that's where true. people care, there's things like Signal and Wire and yeah. and things that I think probably have a better chance of being really private. And I think people that have legitimate privacy concerns are already on those systems. Yeah, it's not going to stop. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would not throw as much praise at Telegram as they do it in that RT report. Telegram is using their own secret sauce for encryption. Yes, I understand they have a bounty, but they seem to be like they're a little arrogant about it. And the one thing that's always held to be true in all of history about crypto is the worst crypto is the crypto that you roll yourself. The only good crypto is the crypto that is proven through history and publicly audited and looked looked at and worked on by lots of smart people. Private crypto that you roll yourself is always the worst crypto. It's... The problem is, is you're only so smart. Yeah, that's true. Very true. So I, I would not actually, I would not be surprised if one day we discover Telegram has some massive core vulnerability in its encryption. Um, but that's not why I use it. I mean, that's, I'm in public groups. I assume, I actually honestly assume anything I put in Telegram, somebody could post or yeah. screenshot. Yeah, I, I, I'm not afraid of it either. I, I'm. That's why I always have tapes. I always have tapes going. Always. I keep, I always keep tapes, tapes going. Um, By the way, uh, ABC News just moved out of uh, coma. We have some space left over now. Uh, and they left literally three cases of cassette blank tapes. Ooh. You know, you should send those to the White House. <laughs> Because I hear they could use some tapes. Steve Trump needs it. Tonight, more than a month after a mystery he made himself, President Trump's putting it to rest, revealing he has no tapes of talks with the FBI director he fired. In a carefully phrased tweet, he writes, I did not make and do not have any such recordings, six weeks after implying he might have. Quote, James Comey better hope that there are no tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press. Now, one thing I do want to say about that tweet is it does seem slightly less obnoxious in retrospect now that we know that James Comey did actually, in fact, leak to the press. True. But maybe James Comey didn't care about leaking to the press because it was the truth. And that's why it was like the tapes. I'm just I don't saying. Care about tapes. I'm just saying that tweet is a little less obnoxious now that we know he actually Lordy, was a leaker. I hope there's tapes. Uh, that was weird, though, right? Yeah. Speaking to the press. Why the game? Uh, I don't know. There was a game. No games and no regrets. His. I love her. I'm. I'm in her fan club, dude. I'm. <laughs> I'm seriously. If she's on Twitter, no, I'm going to follow her. Man, I think you're in the White House press. Uh, press. You know, secretary oh. club. <laughs> You like Spicer. You like yeah. Sarah. Yeah, I, I admit. Good. I admit it's. You know, but okay. But look at it from my perspective. Like you got to watch all these press conferences all the time, and they're yeah. so boring, dude. I know. And these people, like, like uh, this uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders here yeah. and uh, Spicy Sean, they just. They just make it so much more interesting than the average press conference. Oh, totally. No regrets, his spokesperson says, about the original tweet, which set off a 41-day stretch unlike any other in a modern presidency. The tweet, May 12th, led James Comey to give his memos, he says, to a friend that following Monday to share publicly, hoping that would trigger a special counsel. I, I still maintain that I would believe those memos were written from day one for the purpose of leaking and having watched the testimony of several different administration officials parsing what they've said, I think James Comey was a leaker. And I think one of the things that Trump was frust- frustrated about was that he was leaking everything except for what Trump wanted. And that's why Trump was pissed. And that's why he fired him like a child. He fired him like a childish reaction because he knew that James Comey was leaking all day long, but he wouldn't leak what he wanted him to. Interesting. 
And I, I think uh, that's why Comey wrote the memos. Most of what Comey works in is classified or isn't public information. He wrote these memos intentionally in a way and distributed them in such a way that would permit him to re- release them publicly legally later on. That means from the very first memo he wrote, the way he wrote it, the way he structured it, what he disclosed, and how he distributed it and who he distributed it to – and how he marked it when he distributed it to them allowed him to release it as public at any time. Yeah. That is meditated. Yeah, it's meditated, but I also can look at it as a possible insurance policy so he set up for himself. I'm just saying that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a pretty calculated political – Well, it, we can say calculated in retrospect because that's how it played out. But maybe at the time when he started writing these memos – he didn't think he was going to get fired. I think it was more of a protectionary measure. And then once he got canned, he's like, well, well, the gloves are off now. Might as well. And, and a- execute his plan. But I don't, I don't know if that was his, his mindset at the get-go. Maybe it was just a matter of a protectionary measure. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, I could also see that uh, because the way that uh, Comey was distributing these memos so that way he could release them publicly later on, I could also see that information going up the chain a little bit to Jeff Sessions. Oh, yeah. Hey, Comey's got these memos on your conversations. Yeah, Jeff's a good guy, isn't he? So then Jeff goes to Trump, right? Yeah. And then, and then that's where this yeah. you better not start leaking of the press comes from because— But then why the hell did he bring up the term tapes? Why bring it up at all? The only thing I can think of is the man tweets was, with reactions to what he's seen on TV, and there's a lot of comparisons to Nixon and Watergate and tapes at the time. Yeah, but if he knows that and there's comparisons happening, don't say something that could pretend. See, because now, he, like, like I said yeah. last week on the show, or maybe it was two weeks ago. You don't say it at all. You just don't say you it. You don't say it because now you're in a lose-lose situation. And then what's with like the 40-plus days on an answer? Oh, see, and then like, you know. If it's the, no, then say no on day two. Maybe because he's saying no because. Because maybe there are tapes. I mean, a lie, it's, a lie is a lie, right? So it's weird because two things about this are extremely weird. A, actually three things. One, that he said it. Two, how long it took them to give an official response. And then three, that the official response, instead of being a statement from the White House or the press secretary, was tweets from Trump. Like, it was positioned as if there would be an official statement by Donald Trump oh, yeah, on you're it. you're going to find out next week. Later next week. And then he tweets it out on – now, first off, he tweets it out on a Thursday, which if Trump knew better, he should have done it on a Friday, News Dump Fridays. But he didn't. To give his memos, he says, to a friend that following Monday to share publicly, hoping that – Hey, you see how you see how he knew? He knew. Give it – share it with the press on Monday. He yeah, t- don't do it on a Friday. He, he got the do t- it on a Monday. Uh, James Comey, to give his memos, he says, to a friend that following Monday to share publicly – hoping that would trigger a special counsel. It did, May 17th. And now, according to a former intelligence official, an investigation into whether the president tried to obstruct justice in his conversations with Comey. Tapes could have helped prove it or not. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. The president and his team letting the question dangle for days. Are there tapes, sir? Oh, you're going to be very disappointed when you hear the answer. So the president has. No- Why didn't he just give him the answer right then? Nothing further to add on that. Why didn't they give him the answer then? Nothing further on that. When he's ready to, to make that announcement, we'll let you know. And the he said, he said battle between the two and which that story has more legitimacy. Director Comey has memos to back up these conversations. He documented it in <laughs> almost real time. Yeah, pretty convenient. Now, another question, as the president suggests spying concerns, downplayed by his aides, tweeting about recently reported electronic surveillance, adding, I have no idea whether there are... So the whole treat, 
uh, and, and the whole treat. The whole tweet is really a treat. And uh, I think this is him trying to set context. So the only part of the they've only read the second half of the tweet in this whole report. The first tweet right before it I reads the first part, yeah. With all of the recently reported electronic surveillance, intercepts, unmasking and illegal leaking of information, I have no idea dot dot dot. Well, he did that so it could show that he's continuing. Yeah, I know. Thought, yeah. Whether there are tapes or recordings of my conversations with James Comey, but I did not make and do not have any such recordings. They've only read the last part, but so he's trying to set the context, I guess. I don't think he fully wrote this tweet, especially the second half. I think someone, he sat down with somebody, especially the the sentence of, I did not make and do not have any such recordings. That does not sound like to me a guy like Trump would say. You're right. Somebody wrote that tweet for him. The exception is the there's a double space between I and did. But other than that, I think this was... This was crafted by him and his team. Whoever that team is, I don't know. But that's what it just feels like because this doesn't feel like a Trump tweet. Yeah. It just doesn't. Recordings of his Comey conversations. And the Russia story overall going nowhere tonight. NBC News has learned from a U.S. official familiar with the conversation that the president's director of national intelligence testified today behind closed doors. President Trump seemed obsessed with that Russia investigation. <laughs> yeah, it's Trump that's obsessed, for sure. Uh, <laughs> for sure. Well. Yeah. No, for yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, I guess for a little while, Obama was pretty obsessed. This was interesting. Since our last since our last episode, there has been sort of a backfilling of the narrative about how in the last moments of the Obama administration, they struggled to shut down Vladimir Putin's evil plan. Just minutes ago, the Washington Post posted a story with the headline, Obama's secret struggle to punish Russia for Putin's election assault. According to the reporting, U.S. intel had sourcing deep inside Moscow, reporting even capturing President Vladimir Putin's direct instructions to damage Hillary Clinton's chances of winning and help elect Donald Trump. Whoa, man. So we have direct reporting now. We can't tell you how, but we have direct reporting (laughs) from deep within the Putin government. Here's another take on the report. A report this morning claims Russian President Vladimir Putin gave direct instructions to help elect Donald Trump president. According to a Washington Post investigation, former President Obama received... You know, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's back up a little bit. According to a Washington Post investigation... Let's stop right there. Um, I think we should have a rule. In the media, like Washington Post does whatever they want. That's fine. But I feel like uh, CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN and MSNBC and Fox should all collude together. And the New York Times should get in there. And anybody else maybe that has like an audience greater than 500,000. Okay. They all should get together and collude in a dark, smoky room. And they should say, all right, guys, here's a new policy. Whenever the Washington Post has a story, none of us run it unless we can independently verify it. Right. Don't trust on their sourcing. Get your own sourcing. Because the Washington Post, like at this point, has such a bad track record. It's it's like there somebody needs to create a website, just a website dedicated to the amount of retractions and corrections. I bet there's already one. <laughs> so I so and what's crazy is these very hearings that we just slogged through over the last few weeks of this show, 
with Comey, with Jed Johnson, with with Sessions, all of these hearings. One thing that com- is repeated over and over again is the media reporting, especially from The New York Times, The Washington Post and CNN is very flawed. In fact, Comey says something like it's just completely off basis. I can't remember the wording he uses, but essentially it's completely off base. It's, it's completely 100 percent wrong. And yet we are still today. Still just rolling with it. We're just rolling with it. Like, like these government, ex, like these former government officials never said these things. They never, re, they never, they never testified as if all this reporting has been off base. To help elect Donald Trump president, according to a Washington Post investigation, former President Obama received a secret CIA report in August. That report, quote, captured Putin's specific instructions on the operation's audacious objectives, defeat or at least damage the Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton. Jeff Pegues has the story of how the former president struggled to respond. Now, all that said, I could kind of buy it. Like, if I was Putin, I would probably pull for Trump over Hillary. Oh, totally. Jeff, good morning. Yeah. Good morning. CBS News confirmed last year that U.S. intelligence officials knew the Russian government operation to interfere in the U.S. election. You see how he wor- he makes it sound like they confirmed last year. But what he's actually saying is last year intelligence officials knew and, C- and CBS has confirmed this. Right. It's a weird way he states it. Right. He he's implying that to they've the known for a year that CBS has confirmed it, but they didn't confirm it. They just right. found out about yeah, it. Exactly. And the intelligence officials have known for a year. Had been approved by Vladimir Putin himself, but they were reluctant to reveal how much they knew out of concern that sources and methods could be compromised. This morning, the Washington Post is reporting that U.S. intelligence agencies had sourcing deep inside the Russian government, capturing Putin's direct instructions in the operation. The Post also reports that before he left office, former President Obama set in motion a secret program that authorized the deployment of implants in Russian networks, digital bombs. That Jesus, that's an amazing thing to get revealed. You know, probably why this was revealed, right? I mean, it was probably from Trump's tweet, you know, and the accusation, oh, that Obama didn't do anything. So is this, is this why we're hearing about this now? So then somebody counter leaks, well, not only did he do something, but he gave the order to implant digital bombs. Right, so there. In Russian yeah. networks, digital bombs that could be triggered in a retaliatory cyber strike. Stop for a second and imagine if it was revealed that, that, that digital bombs were discovered implanted by the Canadian government or by China or by Russia. I mean... That is a huge revelation of, of, a, of a cyber yeah. aggression. Yeah. Obama set in motion a secret program that authorized the deployment of implants in Russian networks, digital bombs. That to be could fair, be- Obama loved the drones. So anything electronic. I just I, I can't believe this. Like they're a sovereign country. This seems like it is. This is confirmation that a U.S. government official gave an order to violate their sovereignty. Former President Obama set in motion a secret program that authorized the deployment of implants in Russian networks, digital bombs that could be triggered in a retaliatory cyber strike in the event of Moscow aggression and that it would be up to President Trump to decide to use the capability. CBS News confirmed that Obama officials felt that their effort to expel Russian diplomats in retaliation was undermined by the incoming administration. Determining whether that is true is part of the ongoing investigation. CBS News has confirmed that congressional investigators are looking into whether Trump campaign associates obtained information. So I'm inclined to believe that just because of the fact that remember when all the uh, diplomats were expelled? Yeah. 
and Putin was like, yeah, don't worry. Hey, families, come on over and hang out with us for Thanksgiving. Was, that was kind of around the time that there was going to be some phone calls. Right. And it's like you, you, you definitely got the impression that Putin was like, oh, don't I'm not worried because, you know, Trump's going to be being inaugurated here in January. Not and I could deal. see that. I could see that I could uh, see undermining that. something. Right. But but the, the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, not a big deal. No, don't yeah, worry about it. I agree. It. I yeah. when Putin did that, it was almost like a tell it that was he had a been huge in, tell. Yeah, he had been in communication with somebody, yeah. and uh, I could definitely see that being a frustrating thing for the Obama administration because oh, you're sure. like you're under. My, I'm currently the one still in power here. So you're, you're yeah, you're a lame duck president. There's a major security issue, and you're being undermined to get something done about it. Yeah, I yeah, yep. I could see that. Voters are looking into whether Trump campaign associates obtained information from hacked voter databases during the election. So far, there is no evidence of that, but it is a sign that the congressional investigations are expanding. Nora, there you go. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk more about uh, like the election and collusion and Russia uh, because uh, Chris. Trump is our president. Okay, yeah, he yeah. won like 500 electoral votes, and that's why he gets the uh, mouthpiece on his Twitter right, account. This morning, the president appears to be responding to statements from a senior Democrat over the weekend that the Obama administration should have done more last fall once Come it was on, clear Catherine. Russia nope. was interfering no, in the U.S. election. <sighs> Here's the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee speaking on a Sunday talk show. It's your buddy. I My think friend. the Obama administration Adam, should have done buddy. a lot more when it became clear that not only was Russia intervening, but it was uh, being directed at the highest levels of the Kremlin. I- we are witnessing something happen right here. Uh, Adam Schiff is essentially accusing the Obama administration, and I have the full clip in the supporter sink, of uh, not taking action. And so the current state of affairs is somewhat on their shoulders. Now, I make something – what I make of this is – the Adam Schiff-led Russian narrative is so important to the Democrats right now, to their um, re-election efforts. It is such an essential narrative that they are willing to throw Obama under the bus a bit on this. this what, if what, you, if, what if Obama's saying, go ahead? No way. No, no way. So? No, I, absolutely not. He's starting up a new foundation. He's doing interviews. Well, that's the He's thing. He's trying to stay that's in the, the thing, political right? scene. Like he Obama, wants influence. Well, Obama, you know, he, he just tweeted about healthcare not too long ago. I think it, it, it's possible. I think it's possible just because of the fact he's like, you know what, if you if you need to put it through. No the, way. You don't no, think so, huh? I, I mean, I'm sorry to disagree so strongly. No, no, no it's but okay. Yeah, yeah, no I'm way. Just out of possible no theory. way. No way. No way. Because going back to what you said earlier, I think some of these leaks – that came out about uh, being undermined right, by trying the, to do something. That is right, the yeah. that is the Obama uh, team responding back, trying to push back against this narrative. And a True. few weeks ago, when something else was getting pinned on Obama, a few weeks ago, uh, Josh Earnest came out, and a bunch of other people started oh, like pushing back. Yeah, like so, there is active pushback when when there's an anti-Obama narrative. Plus, you also have Clinton, you have Hillary, who's still in the game. She's starting up her uh, pack, her super pack. <laughs> Which is just marvelous, just absolutely marvelous. And so it seems to me, I I don't know. Listen to Adam Schiff, but to me, it seems like they're pinning blame on Obama a bit, in a, in a, in an effort to sell the overall narrative. When it became clear that not only was Russia intervening, but it was uh, being directed at the highest levels of the Kremlin, I was urging that they begin then the process of sanctioning Russia. The administration talking more forcefully about what the Russians uh, had done. I think that was a mistake. Was this interview? Before or after 
that we found out that Obama had a secret kind of thing going on and trying to do something about it. Didn't we uh, well, this was this Sunday, so I don't. So no, so this was before. I I think maybe Adam is not letting on too much here because maybe it's one of those things where he didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Writing on Twitter this morning, the president said the reason that President Obama did nothing about Russia after being notified yeah, by the CIA before. of meddling is that he expected Clinton would win and he did not want to rock the boat. He didn't choke. He colluded or obstructed and it did the Dems and <laughs> crooked Hillary you no good. You find it very interesting that he's using the exact two terms, collusion and obstruction, Yeah, in that order. Yeah. I just... I just find that very fascinating. Actually, I've noticed a lot that he'll take terms that are getting used against him, like fake news. Oh, yeah. He, he didn't start fake news. No, he didn't. But he took it, and he owned it, and he turned it back around on them. He also does that. He did that with the Hitler meme, too. Meantime, a spokesman for the Republican chairman of the powerful Senate Judiciary Committee, Chuck Grassley, confirming to Fox News that the FBI has failed to provide information to the committee what? about the unverified anti-Trump dossier and the extent to which... The FBI relied on that dossier during the Russia investigation. Yeah, so they won't give up the goods. So they asked, well, so this whole ball get rolling because of this stupid dossier that's now that even Comey said is salacious and fake. Uh, those are his words. Uh, so is so could you could so since Comey says it's salacious and fake, we would just like to know um, how much was it a part of the investigation? Was it? What you use to get warrants and start wiretapping associates is this was this the premise that this entire thing started from? And they we would like that in writing if you could. <laughs> and the FBI is like, yes, yes, sir, we will get that to you. We will get that to you. Okay, could we have that next week? Absolutely. Next week comes along, they didn't get it. The next week comes along. Um, we'd still like to have it. Now we are three weeks in. They still don't got it. The company behind the dossier, dossier, Fusion GPS, has also failed to comply with the committee's request. The person who brought the dossier to the attention of Senator John McCain last year, former British Ambassador Sir Andrew Wood, recently told Fox News that he also believed the intelligence in that report had to be verified before it was used, Heather. <laughs> they were able to get a comment, by the way, from McCain. Uh, he was saying that uh, he's deeply concerned. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet he is. Was he out of breath, too? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting clip from uh, the current uh, CIA director, your good friend, My friend Pompeo. Ah. Um, and this has been something that I've been saying for a few weeks on the show, where I say uh, there probably is a little tiny bit of fire to create all of this Russia hacked the election smoke. I truly believe there probably was some sort of meddling, quote unquote, by Russia to try to represent their interests. I've been saying that for weeks. And uh, now Mike Pompeo is going to say it. CIA chief Mike Pompeo claims Russian meddling in the U.S. presidential elections was just a part of a decades-long effort to undermine American democracy. While Russia has always denied any interference. While Pompeo's statement comes in his first TV interview after taking up the post of CIA director in January. So I don't know, maybe the CIA director doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, but <laughs> he's going to come on here and he's going to tell you what the real meddling was, what the, what the, what, what the real hacking is. I can't talk about the details of the intelligence, but we have, the intelligence community has said that uh, this uh, election was meddled with by the Russians uh, in a way that um, is frankly not particularly original. They've been doing this for an awfully long time, and we are decades into uh, the Russians trying to undermine American democracy. 
They've been doing it all the time. It's just part of it. And now because now because they have the means, they've, they, a little bit of uh, cyber is part of the mix. Cyber, a little bit of business dealings. You know, yeah, exactly. A little things. funding. Yeah. yeah, a little spying. Yeah. That's, that's all just part of the mix now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. This is par so. for the course. Uh, so I want to talk about CNN's bad week here for a bit because it's kind <laughs> of in related to coverage of all of these stories. Let's start. Be, so there was obviously it was in the intro clip. There was this Project Veritas. We'll talk more about them here in a moment. But there was right. this leak. But before that, before that all came out, CNN was already kind of having a bit of a shit. Um, and this sandwich that they made is the tastiest of shit sandwiches. And they ended up having to fire three people. Time now for news abuse. CNN's descent from news organization to political campaign is nearly complete. Last week, the channel published a story linking Trump ally Anthony Scaramucci to a Russia-controlled investment fund they said was being investigated by the Senate. And yet on Friday, CNN had to apologize to Scaramucci, which they did. They retracted the story completely and admitted it did not meet CNN's editorial standards. And that's saying something. Tonight, three reporters who worked on the piece resigned their jobs, at least one of them. A guy called Eric Lichtblau, who was at the New York Times, had worked on another CNN piece earlier this month about Trump. That piece also turned out to be false. You remember it, maybe, when CNN told us that Jim Comey, the former FBI director, was going to come before the Senate and contradict the president's claim that he was not under investigation. Comey had told him so. That's what CNN told us. It turned out to be untrue and provably so. Lichtblau helped write that one, too. He may go back to the New York Times where he came from in April. We'll see. It's been seven months, though, since Trump won the presidential election. Since then, precisely no evidence has emerged to support the claim that Trump somehow colluded with the Russian government in order to win the race. But you'd never know that from watching that channel, which has become home for conspiracists on the Russia question worldwide. Last February, to name yet another example, CNN produced a story accusing Trump associates of repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. That report turned out to be almost identical to a report by The New York Times that Jim Comey called out specifically for being grossly inaccurate. We could go on and on and on. Overall, 93% of CNN's coverage of the Trump administration has been negative. 93%. I'll stop there. <clears throat> so he said, she said. But uh, I find some of this to be really kind of interesting because there's, a, there's been leaks that there was discussion that now within CNN, they're going to have one person responsible for reviewing all of their Russia coverage after this. And I'll tell you, you could just go through our supporter sync this week and sort by date modified and look at the CNN stories. Look how they are all about Russia. And then for the last couple of days, there's some Russia stuff in there. They're still talking about Russia, but they're also talking about a lot of other stuff now. Well, it. It, it it goes back to the old uh, you know adage you know uh, if it bleeds it leads kind of a thing where unfortunately right now news organizations it's all coming down to the dollar and and, and people watching and that it's it's and it's not just CNN that's guilty of this I think they're all guilty of it where you know they need to appease their base and right now CNN is like becoming the magnet source for people who don't yeah. like Trump well. And that's what that's it's what ratings. Yeah. It's a business. And that's that brings us to this Project Veritas leak. Project Veritas has a bit of a reputation. Uh, they I think they so probably the most polarizing thing they've done recently is they published the uh, Planned Parenthood videos that were selectively edited to, to a degree. Uh, they also published some of the leaks that showed that uh, Clinton campaign contributors were causing fights and busing in people to different areas during the election. They published all that stuff. And now they've published video of a CNN producer 
who is not he's not like some high high level producer within CNN. He's like in their health area, but the way he speaks is he he speaks as if this is a common a common uh, held belief within the organization, and it's some interesting audio. Then why is CNN constantly like Russia this, Russia that? Because it's ratings. Because ratings. Our ratings are incredible right now. Let me ask one quick question. Mm -hmm. Does the guy know that he's being recorded? No, 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 no. This is how they do it. You know, these people come and they do this kind of stuff and they consider it, they consider it journalism and then they sell it or Project Veritas funds it to a degree. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. Honestly, you'd you'd think the whole Russia shit is just like bullshit. Could be bullshit. I mean, it's mostly bullshit right now. Like, we don't have any big giant proof. We don't have any big giant. But proof. here's the thing: that's not a news organization to have the proof per se. Yeah. I mean, right now, we don't. The, I mean, the gut, well, I mean, I'm I'm just saying, you know, on a on a legal investigation, I would hope that no news organization has quote the proof. <laughs> Otherwise, and, it should be the story, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just feel like they don't really have it, but they they want to keep digging. Mm-hmm. And so, I think the president is probably right to say, like. Look, you are witch hunting me. Like, you have no smoking gun. You have no real proof. Uh, and the videos, the videos. There's like a lot of little bits and pieces in here. They also uh, <clears throat> they talk about uh, how CNN decided to, to pull off the climate accords. And the CEO of CNN said in our internal meeting, he said, "Good job, everybody, covering the climate accords." But we're done with it. Let's get back to Russia. Because that's where the ratings is at. Yeah. Let's be the ratings. Right. be the ratings. Now, that being said, you know, there doesn't, you know, there may not be any, you know, laws broken, let's say, for example. I mean, we don't know what we, we don't know what we don't know yet. However, there are some, it's some, there are some things that are optically just bad, you know, in the conversations and tweets and, and, you know, dishonesty yeah. and things yeah. like that. So I, I can understand you know, CNN is appeasing to to that that viewer right now who's pissed off about you know all those things. So yeah, well, I, hold that still, thought because I yeah. feel like let's have that conversation because I do want to I want to go back and forth on that yeah. a bit, but I want to play a little more of the audio because you're right, it's a business, and I want to play part of this a little more and then have a conversation sure. about that. So you believe like the Russia thing's a little crazy, right? Even if Russia was trying to swing an election, I, we try to swing their elections. We're in our CIA and doing shit all the time. Like we're out there trying to manipulate governments. Like you win because you know the you you, you know the game and you play it right. She didn't play it right. And why CNN constantly like Russia this, Russia that? Because it's ratings. Because ratings. Our ratings are incredible right now. In the month. Now, uh, they go in – this Veritas video goes into the ratings and shows how they're up. But obviously, that's what we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, and then a little bit more. And then we'll, we'll have the So my boss – I shouldn't say this. My boss, a couple days yesterday, we were having a discussion about this dental shoot. And he goes – he's like, I just want you to know what we're up against here. And he goes, just to give you some context, President Trump pulled out of the climate accords – and for a day and a half, we covered the climate accords, and the CEO of CNN said in our internal meeting, he said, good job, everybody, covering the climate accords, but we're done with it. Let's get back to Russia. <laughs> get back to Russia. Uh, get back to Russia, because that's, that's where the ratings are at. It's cynical, in a way. And then here's my favorite piece. Here's, we got my, this is one of my, because this is the piece why 
this is really why I think this show excels as a crowdfunded show. Yeah. I think that's why people have – this next piece is why people have an inherent distrust in the media. It's not because because of coverage of vaccines or gay rights. It's because people have an intuitive sense that their priorities and business goals are not aligned with information that they need. So people have an instinctive understanding that – their goals and the viewers' goals are not in alignment. So it's, I mean, I understand. It's all ratings, right? Oh, it's a business. So it's a business. People are like, the media has, like, an ethical... But all the nice, cutesy little ethics that used to get talked about in journalism school, you're just like, that's adorable. <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, this is a business. Especially cable news, you know? Cable news isn't the New York Times, and it's not. It's not even like NBC News. It's, it's. I mean, NBC News still gets 20 million viewers a night. Cable news is getting a million. So, um, like they gotta, they gotta do what they gotta do to make their money. I think. And so I love the I love the news business, but I, I find it it's so. I'm fascinating. very cynical about it. At the same time, so are most of my colleagues. So are most of my colleagues. Yeah. I, I uh, so yeah. This is what we were saying. Now, here, okay, all right, very good. So that's this one guy's opinion. It seems also to be uh, the opinion of frequent commentator Honest. Van Jones. Hey, man. We met in Palm Springs a few years back. Good to see you, man. You good? Yeah. How you been? What are you I'm doing? Good. What 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 do you think is going to happen this week? I mean, with the whole Russia thing. You mean- let me let me just say this real quick, Project Veritas. Okay, mm-hmm. it reminds and, me and, of a backup program. And, and, and by and by the way, you know I this is just quick off the off the cuff. They're just as guilty of what CNN is doing. They are selectively editing. Well, not only selectively editing, camera, but they're also hammering down on the Russia thing. Now their Russia angle is different, right? Their Russia angle is look what CNN is doing. They're covering Russia all the time. So what is PV trying to do? They're trying to point out the Russia thing that they're doing all the time. You see what I mean? They're, they're still adding energy and spin to the whole Russia right, story, right? Right. They're they're just yeah. putting their spin on it. Yeah. Yeah. They're just as guilty in it. Yeah. In a sense. In a sense, it's like they're well, they're still milking the same cow. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. if you notice, they have a URL at the bottom of their screen. Yeah, well, sure, they want you to throw money at of them. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Just like what CNN is trying to do. And I have to. I have to. Well, I have to <laughs> and, tell and you. The other company. I have to tell you. It's because everybody. Everybody is working really hard, in a sense, to tell their version of the sto- of the story. Right. As even us, in a, to a degree, we're doing the same thing, but we're. For us, really, the agenda here is to sort of play. We've been playing both these sides, and you right. see here on a, on a much more meta level. You're right; these guys are in the trenches at the same thing, fighting the same battle, just different sides. We're sitting here analyzing it more on a meta level, right? So it's not quite comparative, but it is extremely fascinating because we're all trying to make sense of what the fuck is actually going on, right? And this is how it's done, I guess. Well, <laughs> I guess. Well, the thing is. While this gives us insight about how the news is being covered and how stories are being spun. And the people behind the and news. And people behind it. Like we heard Megyn Kelly last week. It still doesn't give me honest, factual information. It doesn't right. do it. Right. This is, th- yeah, this is showing me that, yeah, CNN, and I hope they do this for other, well, other outlets. Finish, I know, but I just hope that they do huh. the same. What, yeah. what do you think is going to happen this week, I mean, with the whole Russia thing? The Russia thing is just a big nothing burger. Really? Yeah. It's a big nothing burger. So that's it. That's it. Because then somebody walks up and recognizes them. The Russia thing is just a big nothing burger. It's a big nothing burger, which I find interesting. Before we move on, 
such a thing as just a big nothing burger. You know where that nothing burger is from? Do you remember the last time we've heard nothing burger? I don't remember. Oh. I do. I do. I very clearly remember. It was Hillary Clinton on stage. Uh, Walt Mossberg and Kara Swisher were sitting That's there. right. And she says this whole That's email right. story yeah. was the biggest nothing burger yes, of the decade. Yes, I remember. Holy He's crap. using the same language of Hillary Clinton, just like Comey had to use the same language of Hillary Clinton. Anyways, okay. So, yeah, you've raised a lot of good points. Let's talk about all of this here for a second. Um, <clears throat> let's start with CNN. So CNN is just a business. They got to make ratings. Everybody knows this. That's probably why they listen to this show. That's not the new part of the conversation. What I think we should just spend a minute talking about is, holy shit, how far are they willing to go? They are undermining a presidency. They are harassing a nation state with nukes. They are uh, fraying the conversation, the political conversation to such an extreme that tribalized and uh, uh, tribalization is taking place. People are shooting down uh, uh, Congress members in D.C. Like it has, get, it has gotten to a level that is absolutely toxic. So at what point do we say too much? Like, yeah, everybody's got to make ratings. Yeah. But holy shit, what is the cost? Well, I think uh, the producer kind of nailed it on the head, right? They get about a million viewers. NBC News gets twenty million. Yeah, they're all kind of they're all kind of milking that right. cow. Right, they're all milking the cow. But at the end of the day, CNN has to go very, and I, it's not just CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. They all have to go with that extreme sensationalism angle, right, to get the people watching. NBC News, CBS, ABC, not so much because they have a little bit more of a buffer. They have a national audience over the air and cable and satellite, all these places, right? They have a little bit more flexibility. And so they, they have more of a, uh, I would hope to say, quote unquote, duty uh, to be, you know, more factually honest and balanced, right? Yeah, I mean, they definitely like CNN. Uh, they don't have to be. They're they're they've already found their base. They spend they'll spend twelve hours on the Russia story, right. whereas yeah. you know maybe NBC will spend twenty minutes. Right, right. Yeah. Because see, those big organizations, historical news organizations, they they honestly, and I've seen it, and this is just my point of view, but I've seen it where, at least on the local level where it's not about the numbers. It's it's about getting the story, and now we're seeing a turn when it comes at least to cable news. Where they are focused in on the, that viewership and that demo. And getting and, a meme that they can tweet out or something. Yeah, They're getting and, sound and, bites for Twitter. Like, we were joking for the longest time that CNN turned into the airplane crash network. Yeah, yeah. Because that's where they kind of honed in on to get those eyeballs. Now they're kind of like the conspiracy news network. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. But see, but they're they're not the only ones guilty in it. I mean, they're all they all. MSNBC is pretty bad. Oh too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and Fox is bad for different reasons. And it's funny because there was a point in time when this show started where Fox, if, if you would have, if you would have said who was the most damaging network to the political discourse, I would have easily said Fox News. Yeah, it would have been hands automatic, down. Automatic. Now I'm not so sure because first of all, I don't feel like Fox has a super loud voice in the political discourse in some respects, and then CNN and MSNBC are. Part of me feels so like, off the rails. Part of me feels like that's why Al Jazeera America failed. Because they honestly tried. I, I I watched some of their stuff that they tried to deliver the news in just a factual, non-sensational way. And unfortunately, because of our American appetites, and I think it is an American appetite to a lot of degree, we are not watching. 
That also seems that, that Zuckerberg, that's why they the, not Mark, but the other one, the former uh, NBC Jeff, executive, Jeff Zucker. Yeah, Zucker. Yeah. yeah, is it just Zucker? I think it's just Zucker. Yeah, okay, think, yeah. not Zuckerberg. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's Facebook. It's a, it's a, like an, there was an immediate tone difference since he took over, and this is just a continuation right. of, of his yeah. sort of philosophy. I think of how to make news. Right, and and this is and this is where these it can't you can't push it to the metal without having to kind of you know back off and and really assess because at some point your viewers on either side are going to get blown out to the point where it's like what are we what are we doing i feel like they've lost i feel like they truly have damaged their credibility uh there's a story i'm going to share in the overtime but just recently i was at a public setting and uh, everyone in the public setting was just they're all friends they all knew each other yeah and they were all just all of them were just ridiculing the news None of them were buying anything they were reporting on. Didn't matter what the topic was. They, the news has lost. And, and what make? I guess this is a, a deeper dive, maybe for another day. But what what makes people get to that point? Is I it, think it's this stuff. It's, yeah, exactly. And, and, and here's the thing, right? It's, it's, it's also it's a core understanding of their business. Their business. Their business interests are making revenue. They have, you know, they have shareholders. You you can just you you just kind of understand like their goals don't align with your goals. Let me let me let me ask you a question. I was thinking about this last night to myself. If you had the opportunity to ask one question to all of the major news organizations and networks and you would get an honest answer, 100% honest answer, they wouldn't be allowed to lie and you would ha- you would believe them. What would that question be? And I and the 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 question that I got in my head is how do you tell the truth? And I was, my question would be, what are you going to do about YouTube? <laughs> that's your one question. Yeah, because I think I think that's the bigger question. I think that's part in part why they're shitting themselves so badly. Uh, because they're going for the three minute YouTube clip. Or? It's not just YouTube, but it's the whole internet. It's Twitter. It's all yeah. of it. Like all of it has in the last eighteen months, the media is the media has the, the media the quote unquote media. Using that phrase a lot, but I know. when I say that, I mean like. The, the large corporatist networks that are funded by pharmaceutical ads and you know the, the kind of stuff that's like really big money um, they they are to get those to get those big advertisers they have to be ratings driven that's how you right. get those big names and those big brands it's just a function of the business and in order to get those ratings you need access to information to get access to information you have to trade political favors yeah. the only kind of political currency you have is information to the or is access to the airwaves so they do political favors for p- people in power that have access to information so that way they can get the viewership so that way they can get the ratings so that way they can then get the big sponsors yeah. and eventually what happens is it devolves into trusting a lot of shitty anonymous sources because you so desperately want to continue to feed that ratings monster that you rely on former officials and people that maybe are not familiar with the matter and you start running with quote-unquote anonymous sources. Well, and and maybe at some point this anonymous source thing needs to stop. And I don't know how you would do it, to be honest. I know, it's a weird thing to say because as somebody who's on a show called Unfiltered, like, I, 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 I celebrated the Snowden leaks. Right, we all did. But then at the same time, because we celebrated them because there was there was actual physical proof. They're not they weren't being used as political weapons. Right. It was just here's the truth, here it is. Yeah. That's all it is. And 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 then here it is, you decide. Yeah. Instead of having somebody try to spin it in a certain way, either left or right there's, or whatever. There's also I don't know. I, there's also an interesting undermining effect that happens when if you're going into say a private hearing or a private meeting, say you're a government official. 
and you want to tell somebody something. You've, you've, you've identified corruption. You want, to, you want to try to move for change. You want to tell your version of a story to somebody. And so you go into a closed private session. Imagine how all of this changes if you almost know a certainty that what you say in that private session is going to get leaked. That changes the game. You no longer go to these private sessions to actually accomplish any good. You go there to accomplish a political means because you know it's going to be a blowhorn for your message. Ironically, the private session becomes a blowhorn. And this is happening, and it's undermining the value of these private sessions. At your time, I know you met with Director Coates Chicken. today because you said it was important to find out what was said in that conversation with the president and what he heard, what he interpreted it as, whether it was a suggestion or a warning or something else, what the tone was, what the context was. What did you find out? Uh, what I found out, Aaron, is that about eight hours ago, Adam Schiff and I looked Dan Coates in the eyes and we assured him that there would be no selective leaking of his testimony to us. And I'll be damned if eight hours later, there aren't three different leaks with what he told us. So if anyone is questioning why congressional investigations aren't taken seriously and are viewed as political exercises, you need look no further than the fact that we looked one of our intelligence officials in the eyes and promised him there would be no selective leaking. And here I am being asked about it, not even eight hours later. <laughs> so, so what's the answer? What do you do? I don't know, man. I mean, it do, seems do, like the do, whole do, system. Do you just screwed. hold them in, on live? T- See, here's the thing that I, I honestly liked about the sessions uh, testimony and the Comey thing uh, when it was on live wall-to-wall network television. There was no opportunity for leak. Right? It was there. It was in front of us. It was yeah. happening. Yeah. Because we, here's what happens: that that's not national where people can actually see what's going on, and it's just on cable news or C-SPAN. Unfortunately, no one watches that watches that stuff, and so they they rely on the companies to spin it for them for a two minute segment, right? Yeah. So maybe we need to do more public stuff and just just have it there and, and you know ha- and and take it seriously. Hmm. All those things. I don't know. Then Is they're it, always going to say, "Well, I can't answer that in a public session." All right. Well, then what you do is you Sorry, get, Senator, you get, I would like to give you that answer, but you, in the public. All hearing. right. So what you do is you get members of the public, I guess, that are selected at random by social security number. Give them, get them uh, <laughs> security clearance, uh, have them in there as official observers, and then they have to answer one question, yes or no. Uh, did you uh, witness the truth? And that's I'm it. I'm not going to dignify that. <laughs> <with my answer. laughs> I just something. I don't know what it is. Something yep. needs to change. Mr. Chase, uh, yes, why, don't, Chris. why don't you grab your sack, prepare yourself. All right, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm adjusting in, it. Dig in right. deep. Uh, we have ourselves a... Hello, everybody. Oh, there it is. Let's, oh, uh, are, you, are you ready? Let's, I'm ready, let's man. Get, all right, let's, uh, let's so, do it. So for this segment, for the special Club 33 segment of Chase's Sack, I decided, hey, I asked you guys... Love to hear your red book predictions for the summer. Oh, so I, I did a little guest red booking for, for people, and you uh, clever dog. I know a little clever dog for Club Thirty Three. Anyway, I, I I wanted to hear from you guys about Russia, Trump, Syria, UK Brexit, FCC net neutrality, anything. Let me know. So Veratuna wrote in and says, "Hey CNC, Chris and Chase. Help. Not sure if it hit your radar, but this whole CNN Veritas reveal about how bogus the mainstream media rhetoric on Russia is." And was gloriously timed along with the whole Seymour Hersh reveal about chemical weapon attacks in Syria and how 
about manufactured that narrative is makes you wonder who is telling the biggest porkies. Is it the mainstream media or the U.S. government? <laughs> biggest porkies. Yes. Seems the only people to really lose out is the U.S. electorate and those that are really suffering in poverty without clean water. Truth to that. Mm. I predict by the time of the World Cup in Russia in 2018, this entire fabrication will be torn down around MSM and U.S. government's heads and they will be forced by a new awake and informed public to really start addressing what is wrong with America, and that is basically getting its priorities straight and spending money and effort on internal U.S. issues rather than wasting it bombing where it is not asked elsewhere in the world. Great Thank you, Mr. comment Tune. there, Mr. Veritunda. Baker the Clerk writes in, by the way, hey guys, first, just want to say... I've been wanting to get in Club 33, and I'm glad to finally do it. Well, welcome aboard. That's kind of exciting. I know. I like that. I think we're going to see an exodus from the Democratic Party. This is his red book. They are going to continue to lose seats at a rapid rate with the Russian narrative falling down. Wow. Listen to everybody convinced it's falling apart. Wow. I also think that we're going to see more libertarian-leaning moves coming from President Donald J. Trump such as the voucher system for the Department of Energy and trying to privatize the FAA. Just want to say that I love the show and feel great supporting it. Hopefully we get enough supporters to get that, you know, unfiltered supplemental show. I've been thinking about it more and more. Yes. I, we're over the halfway hump. We're just barely over the halfway hump right now. Yeah. And so I'm I'm wrapping it around in my head more. I'm thinking about how we're going to sort the clips what will what, what, we how we'll structure it? So we're in preparation now. One thing you got to re- remember, you guys. Once we get to that level, we got to sustain that level. It's not like you unlock it and then we 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 slide. Oh, that's back. for sure. Because yeah. it's insane. Because it, it's going to be a insane amount of work. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Baker the clerk uh, writes in with a bonus prediction. Hey, Chris plays his buddy Cucker for the CNN exposed and dings the hell out of the bell. Uh, parts of it. Parts of it. That could be. If you guys want to join us over on Patreon.com slash Unfiltered, we would really appreciate it because you can get in as low as $2 a month, and that means you're supporting the show. You love what we're doing. But if you want the magic sauce, you want all the back catalog, you want to be a part of the huge community, jump in at $5 or more per month, and you will get magic. And there's just a few slots left in Club 33 if you want to get in, and you get your voice on the sack. You also get the swag, which just went out a bit ago. Patreon dot com slash unfilter thank you everybody yeah i do want to say that you know chris we've had a great month of june we've added yeah. 33 additional patrons. really 33 that, and that, <laughs> that's awesome yeah uh and the, the the weird thing about it that that includes uh, subtractions and additions yeah, so yeah. that is a net 33 so that's, thank you so great. much thank you everybody. guys yeah i think we're gonna get there and i think it's gonna really improve the show when we get to four thousand, the next milestone for the supplemental show. I got a little bit of housekeeping before oh. we go. Oh, and I also want to say one thing yeah. real quick. Since this is our last show before the 4th of July holiday in the United States oh, yeah. and uh, our territories, I want to... Hey, by the way, you're welcome to come to a barbecue during the day here at the studio. I have to work. You on the son 4th. of a bitch. Guess, no, guess, I, I figured guess you, you did. I figured. Actually, you know, I, I was, the, I was the one selected to work the 4th. Uh, so I I'm, actually just assumed... I just assumed you just might have to work just because, you know, it's IT stuff. And Actually, time and a half. News and, oh, really? Well, yeah, time and a half. And then the following week, I get a three-day weekend, so that's okay. Well, we but meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting if you're in the area and want to come to the studio for a barbecue. Oh, yeah. We yeah. need to get you down to the studio and do a little shooting. Dude. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, so before yeah. we uh, wrap up, before we get to the high note, and then, geez, we have a huge overtime, too. Uh on the episode that would air on the 19th, I think we're not going to have a show that week because I'm going to be in transit. And I think Where are you going? I'm just going to take the time off. I'm going to Montana with Noah. 
Nice. Yeah, and the kids and the ladies. Oh, what would have liked to see in Montana? Yeah, exactly. I, I've actually I've seen it twice. Yeah, it's, it's something. It's something we've been planning since last was on on the air, and we're just finally going to do it. And the thing is, because I'm going to have an RV full of kids, there, I just don't think there's any way I can do the show. So uh, I think we'll just take that week off on July 19th. But uh, um, we, otherwise, I don't think we'll miss any episodes from that trip. And like I said just a moment ago, if you're in the Pacific Northwest area on the 4th of July and you want to come to the studio and have me cook for you, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting for more you're details. You're going to love Chris's meat. Let me tell you, yeah. I, ha- I had a memory yeah. pop up. Uh, it was over at JBHQ. Where I came over for a barbecue and I and I stayed for a faux show. Some tasty meat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. You know what, Chris can make the tasty meat. I can. Guys. Thank you. And uh, the you as someone who also can make the tasty meat, I appreciate. Well, that's that right. Compliment. I had you over for a steak. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, let's wrap it up with a high note. This is a story a that's been. Uh, <laughs> it's, what, what? What? You still owe me a steak. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. What was that for? It was a, it was a red book prediction. Oh, man. That I was like I'm I know yeah. I was going to be right about and I was. Was it the Hillary emails? I think stuff? it was something like Maybe. that. Maybe. Yeah. Damn, you're right. We gotta take we gotta take the care of that. That's right, Ruth Chris, baby. We should go. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. I'm just saying we should wrap this up right now and go. I'm no, hungry. I yeah. can't. But yeah, yeah no, no, no. all right. Let's, let's okay. finish it up. All right. So this story is floating around a lot this week. Uh, there is a new study out. I have lots of links in the show notes that link the rise of recreational pot with a corresponding rise in accidents. Oh, I saw. I heard this, and it. Yeah. Pissed me off. So let's let's break this down a little yeah, bit. Let's here. look closely. Let's, let's, let's go through this into your good friends. My buddies. Over at CBS this morning uh, are gonna help us, actually. All right. Hey, there's Minneapolis, everybody. New research out this morning claims to show a link between an increased risk of car crashes and legal marijuana use. The Highway Loss Data Institute looked at auto collision claims in Washington, Oregon, and Colorado. Now, those are the states where recreational use is legal. Now, HLDI, the Highway Loss Data Institute, uh, it's uh, it's an insurance institute. And the other thing I want to know, and I really hope they they dig into the data, because right now that doesn't mean anything to me. It's 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 like saying. Well, Washington has more cars, and therefore the accidents has gone up. That doesn't uh... actually. We're, yeah, we're going to get okay. So here's part of the problem. So I I, I read the study, and uh, it's right. linked in the show notes. Right. Here's what they did, and fundamentally, just to sort of, I guess we can just debunk it before they even get into it. But uh, they compared they compared uh, um, traffic incidents in the Seattle metro area with traffic incidents in their control groups, and their control groups are states around Washington, and that's like Wait, Idaho. Idaho? So they're comparing and, and, Idaho to the Seattle area. And B.C., maybe? It's, well, they're, they're, it's, it's all in the study. It's all, yeah, all, right, all right. But my point is they're comparing areas that are much, much, much more densely populated with areas that are much less – that are much more sparsely populated, I guess right, you could say. Yeah, okay. So that's my first issue with the, with the report. Right. Uh, the other issue is, is they don't dis- – and this is my second major issue with the report – is they don't, they don't distinguish in the report cannabis-only incidents. It's if there was anything – if they had alcohol, if cannabis if, – if THC was amongst anything else in the mix, it's included in this oh. report. Which we hate because that can be in your system up to a month. You could be three beers in, but if you smoked a joint three days ago, that's going to show up in this report. Yeah, okay. But the thing is, I know at least the, with Washington State Department of uh, uh, the State Patrol, 
they, their testing system, they don't use the, the method where it stays in your system for up to 30 days. Uh, so you are... I thought they used that... No, you're uh, right. So the State yeah. Patrol, it, that, that, is, that is where the CBS report is going to impress. They actually go to the local PO, and they have a bit of a different take on this oh, whole thing. Data Institute nice. looked at auto collision claims in Washington, Oregon, and Colorado. Now, those are the states where recreational use is legal. It says claims are up about 3%. Three. Since marijuana sales began, Barry. even with all of this, it's three percent. So let's keep that in mind. This whole is three. Or, now, man, to be fair, three percent could be what twenty people. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I just say it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's. I it funny. Like it's not thirty-three. It's not forty-seven percent. Three. Since marijuana sales began, Barry Peterson shows us the safety concerns and the skepticism about this study. He's at a pot dispensary in Denver. All right, Barry. Uh, good morning. Uh, oh my God. Good morning. Uh, oh, well, two years ago, Colorado legalized marijuana for recreational use. And this study now seems to show a link between marijuana use and an increase in traffic accidents. For those who supported legalizing marijuana, I have to tell you, this study is not going to be very good news. I agree, even if this study is completely wrong or if it's even half accurate. Yeah. It, just having the headlines out there with the amount of coverage it has is going to have momentum. Colorado led the nation with the first sales of legal recreational marijuana in 2014. But the drug's impact on roadway crashes has not been well documented. Today, the Highway Loss Data Institute reported an increase in insurance claims filed for collisions in Colorado, Washington, and Oregon three states where recreational marijuana is legal. Matt Moore oversaw the study. Colorado, just relative to the the states around it, we're seeing an increase of almost 14 percent. It's the same situation in Colorado, too. But those numbers do not match what the Colorado State Patrol has tracked. Now, this really Ah. surprised me. Because this is where I thought, oh boy, they're going to double down. It's going to make it higher. You you thought right here, oh God, it's going to be higher. Sergeant Rob Madden says the agency has actually seen a decrease in the number of driving impaired accidents since pot sales became legal. Now here's what's tremendous about this. Okay. In a reality where the the police are saying we're actually seeing a decrease, where it's, it's actually improved the safety yeah. and improved people's lives. Yeah. But. Because this this agency that writes reports writes them for the insurance companies, their motivation is to tell the insurance companies it's time to jack up their rates. Make more money. And so the insurance companies are going to buy this report. So wait, are, are you saying, Chris, that money is influencing this report and So this, this is re- not based on scientific data? This company makes money by selling this report to the insurance companies, and the insurance companies need a damn good reason to buy the report. So you're saying that they're biased, Chris? It's possibly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they're coming out. But what's amazing about it is when the actual safety is improving, reports are coming out saying it's going down and insurance rates are going to go up. And, it, and it, probably in our area because yeah, of this. Yeah. Since pot sales became legal. Two years of data is not enough to allow us to draw conclusions, to come up with an explanation of what is safe, what is not safe. Holy Science. crap. Isn't, isn't that state patrol officer like just right on the money? He is totally right. Because you cannot. It's, it's you like cannot, this is his daily job, and he lives it or something. And you can't determine a pattern based on two years of data. It's not enough data. Brian Vicente represents pot shops and played a major role in Colorado's legalization. Typically, you can drink one beer and drive, but if you have three, you're over the limit. States are taking a hard look to try to figure out what is that three-beer limit for marijuana. There have been tragedies from mixing marijuana and driving. Last year, high school student Chad Britton was killed by a teen driver high on pot. 
And while pot may be legal, impaired driving is not, even though it's that much harder to detect. Now, uh, this is going to be interesting to watch because in Nevada, if unless something unless something July comes 1st. up, July first is the big day. Well, some people are excited about this, while others are not. Recreational marijuana is scheduled to go on sale this Saturday, and today the state's tax commission, well, they will vote to approve emergency legislation signed by the governor. Now it creates a labeling guidelines here for recreational marijuana users, uh, meaning that packages packages will have warnings about the effects of pot. That's always so funny. Like that's that's that'll help. Or, or like cigarettes, you know, yeah. it will kill you. Dairies can't sell products that appeal to children. The state also plans to issue licenses this week, so dispensaries can sell this weekend. Just no reason, but I was just kind of googling, and it looks like there's going to be 25 licensed in the Vegas area. Yeah, and uh, I was actually reading too that there will be at least one on the strip. Wow, that is going to be huge for Vegas. Oh. I I was I, I sent a, a note to my wife. I was just like, Vegas is going to change dramatically. You know after what the, the first. you know what the irony is is uh, casinos uh, are going to get involved. Watch uh, Sheldon or what's the guy's name? Allison. What's the what's the huge casino guy? Uh, he's a oh hu- uh, well. There you got Win. You got no. There's it's Sheldon something. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I I, anyways, um, uh, he's put millions and millions and millions of dollars in trying to block cannabis legalization. Too late. It's, and he's a he's a huge he's a huge owner down in Vegas. But, but I. I but here's what's going to happen, Chris. He put all his money in, and now what's going to happen? He's going to get right into a watch. Yeah, watch. well, because you, you're going to have you're going to have people there. They're having a good time. They're going to be buying food. Yeah. They're going to be drinking. They're going to be mixing stuff, which is not going to be safe for a lot of noobs that fly into the area. And they probably be making all kinds of stupid choices. <laughs> oh, you mean oh, five hundred dollars down on a on on a rolling? Craps? I mean, you all come, right, fine. people are going to come into Vegas to party like crazy now. Oh, people that goodness. don't have experience with this stuff, and they're going to make. Choices they're going to make these companies well, a lot of money. Well, movie stars were already doing it. Now the common folk can do it as well. <laughs> that's, that's very true. <laughs> Stick around. The overtime is coming up, and it's packed. we got tons of stuff in there. We'd love to have you join us live. You can hang out in our chat room. We've got a dedicated chat room. The unfiltered chat room is at irc.geekshed.net. Yes. Live times at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We have a contact page there as well. Yes. Don't forget the patron at patreon.com slash unfiltered. But Mr. Shea. Yes, Chris. Where should people find you throughout the week? If people want to hang out with me, I, I, I encourage people to uh, jump on my Twitch stream. I do a lot of Twitch streaming, twitch.tv slash geekgamertv or ggtvlive.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Mm. I'm verified. Mm-hmm. I'm the other one. That's right. Chris, what about you? Vlogs, things, going on. Tweets them at Chris LAS. That's where I tweet them. And uh, if you're in the Vegas area and want to organize <laughs> an unfiltered meetup. <laughs> hey. There will be somebody that will tweet at I, us, dude, and they'll be saying, "Hey, dude, I'm in Vegas. Am, am, I, am I right? Or am I wrong? But flights to Vegas aren't that expensive, you know." Chris, you can really just walk on a plane now. I'm just yeah, saying. That's sure. I'm no problem. Saying. No problem. Yeah. Anyways, at Chris Elias, yeah, check out the vlog too. Just posted something recently. Thanks for fourth. joining us, yes. you guys. Yeah, have a great fourth. Don't forget the calendar page for uh, future schedule changes. Subscribe and the live feed. If YouTube cooperates, is posted for everyone at Patreon.com/slash/unfiltered. Nice. Thanks for being here. See, See you next week.
warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandoned ship. Oh, Level no. 9 authorization required. It's overtime. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Security authorization accepted. Thank you to our new patrons this week, Julie Thunder Beaver, I'm the Dude Man, Daniel, Philip GQ, Larry, and Justin L. You are our new subscribers to patreon.com slash unfilter, and this segment is dedicated to you, patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you to our patrons over there. Let's bring up the music, Mr. Jenkins. Give us little tunes for the background here. Here we go. Here we go. So the overtime kicks off, as always with our own Nancy segment. Now, usually, your good friend, your buddy Chris here, is sitting here telling you about the rot in the corporatist Democratic Party. The corporatist Democratic rot. The establishment, like your Nancy Pelosi's. Normally, that's the case I make for you. But this week, Nancy's had a bad week. It starts in her press conferences, as always, where she repeats herself, she garbles, she sort of asks strange questions, talks about singing her own praises. It's odd. It is. Uh, I always, always, always quote Martin Luther King in so many ways. But in this score, he said, Dr. Martin said, the ballot, the ballot, the ballot. Legislation, legislation, legislation. Your life, your life, your life. He clobbers the states, making it unable uh, to meet the needs of their people. Every attack provokes a massive reaction. Trump care inflicts great suffering on veterans, on seniors, on working families, on rural communities. On what? And, uh, and on, as I said, working families. So yeah. you want me to sing my praises? Is that what you're saying? No. Why should I? Well, I'm a, a master legislator. That's right. I am a... a, a st- Everybody giggles at that. Strategic, politically astute leader. She has blackmail on people. I am... Uh, a, my uh, uh, leadership is oh. recognized by many around the country, and that is why I'm able to... So she's a brand. ...attract the support that I do. She's able to leverage good, large donors. Wouldn't it be better if all the press were focusing on the Senate heartless, mean-spirited bill? Many times I had not really wanted to run again when they called upon me to do so. This time I did. The election of Donald Trump. But this, this takes the knowledge and experience that I have, says she, immodestly. At the end there? Hold on. Did she start? Did she slip into the third person? Takes the knowledge and experience that I have, says she immodestly. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But you know, not everybody's loving it. And uh, many Democrats have called for Nancy Pelosi to step down after those recent losses. They're looking for blood. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi became a member of Congress through a special election 30 years ago. Isn't that interesting? Let's reflect on that for a moment. So she got in 30 years ago via a special election. Now, that's kind of interesting because all of this hoopla is about the failure to win in special elections. Just an interesting little coincidence. She has led House Democrats for the last 14 years, including a stint as the first female speaker. But the Democratic Party's losing streak in recent special elections prompted some House colleagues to question her leadership. 
Nancy Pelosi was a great speaker. She is a great leader, but her time has come and gone. I think it's time for change, and these election results frankly show that. If we're going to regain the majority in 2018. These are all Democrats, obviously. Uh, we have to have new leadership. You That's think right. Nancy Pelosi is more toxic than Donald Trump? You know what? The honest answer is, in some areas of the country, yes, she is. I've been saying that. I've been saying that. It's a bad brand. It's The thing is, is that, uh, you know, for a lot of people that voted Trump in, he's the mover and shaker. Uh, all this, all the shade they're throwing at him was is just all fits with that narrative. But Nancy Pelosi is genuinely a bad brand. And uh, it's why guys like Sanders have gotten so much um, momentum. Now, that's a lot of Democrats coming out, I should mention. That is... That is, I mean, they could be saying this stuff behind the scenes to each other for years, but to come out on these very political, uh, very, very public in these very politically charged times is, uh, that is a very intentional act. That's the honest answer. Congressman Nancy Pelosi, good morning. How awkward that she was sitting there watching all of that, isn't it? Isn't that awkward? They, CVS totally just like just dropped all of that right there. And then here she is. They're actually, I mean, that's 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 playing a little tough. Pelosi, good morning. Good morning. You want to respond to what yeah. you well, do? I mean, well, those sons of bitches. Yeah, like I'm here and we're hearing all these other people. They had their time on TV. <laughs> Fuck those guys. That this is such a small item. It isn't about me. Right now, our fight is about the Affordable Care Act. I've always had a challenge in the caucus right from the start. You know, it's, she's, she's right in a sense. So it's funny because Nancy Pelosi always, always says that Donald Trump is trying to distract. But that's exactly what she's doing. She's deflecting and distracting with that answer. So the, her answer that uh, it's, uh, the fight is about health care right now, that's true right this very moment. The fight wouldn't be about health care if you had won some elections, though. You see, if you had won some elections, there wouldn't be any fight. This is such a small item. It isn't about me. No, you see, it is about you because in the big picture, the big item, i.e. the cause of the current problem, you are part of it. It is actually all about this. But you can talk about the immediate problem. Sure. Small item. It isn't about me. Right now, our fight is about the Affordable Care Act. I've always had a challenge in the caucus right from the start when I was first OK, elected. but let's look at this, too. Uh, you have been losing special elections. OK. And four, okay. four of them and people say it's because the Democratic Party, of which you are leader, has no message. Now, she is. Listen how she very politely blames Obama. Your only message is anti-Trump. No, that isn't true. First of all, let me just say. These are four races we would never have chosen to go into. They were chosen by Donald Trump. Okay, so for, okay, that's right. I forgot about that part. First, okay, so of course it's Donald Trump's fault. Four races were double-digit lead for the Republicans in previous elections. We picked up seventy points. Yeah, I mean we lost, but we like lost l- less than normal. Twenty-five and and, and one race, fifteen, twenty like that in the four races. Nobody's buying this, Nancy. The people in those states are very happy because we've pushed... Oh, they're thrilled right now. Those liberals over there are just thrilled at that loss. The Republicans very far back. Me, I like to win. Oh. But this was... I, the people in Georgia work very hard in Montana, all of those places, and they've made great progress. 
leading up but to their no, they lost. Election. They lost. But again, there are 70 races. But, you know, they lost like less bad. That are easier for us than any of those. We would never have chosen to go in. There was so much excitement in the country uh, to to act against uh, the election in November. The subtext here with that is they funneled the Democrats, the establishment Democrats, funneled $32 million just into the Georgia election. And the sort of unofficial word on the street is, is that Nancy Pelosi was sort of behind directing that funding. So this isn't, let's, this, these people were against me last November. They started this before. The fact. Because you've been a problem for years. Is, the fact is this. I led in in 05 and 06 to take us to the majority, became Speaker of the House. Now, this is where she says it's Obama's fault. Uh, she, look, you know, when she started up, she took everybody to the majority. I mean, she just said that. She, so it's, I, I started and I brought us up to the majority. It wasn't until that black guy got in office that things got screwed up. These people were against me last November. They started this before. The fact is, the fact is this. I led in, in 05 and 06 to take us to the majority, became Speaker of the House. President Obama became president. He was our spokesperson for eight years. We just lost the election. We could write a, a, a message, but the fact is we need our members to write the message. And they know full well that that is something we're working with the Senate to go forward. Why don't you think you should step aside? Let me tell you why I should stay instead. Oh. <laughs> because I'm a master legislator. There it is again. Master legislator. Now, what does that mean? I mean, that's that that is that could be anything. That could just be that uh, the party has pushed certain things. And because the establishment of the party pushes these certain things, you sign off on it as well. And it's been successful because the Democrats put a lot of weight behind it. I suppose you're also claiming some credit for Obamacare. I'm an experienced uh... fundraiser. You make money. You raise money. That's why Nancy Pelosi is in power. She's the largest fundraiser. And on top of that, I could be wrong, but maybe somebody in the chat room could double check for me. I think she's one of the richest. I think I'm not actually I think she's one of the richest representatives in D.C., but I could be wrong now that I'm thinking about that. But maybe somebody in the chat room could could confirm because I think she's also just incredibly wealthy herself. She's famously a huge money raiser for the Democrats. I'm experienced uh, uh, in terms of knowing the institutional memory of, of the Congress. If Hillary Clinton had won, I might have gone home. But with Donald Trump in the White House, with a Republican majority. He got his name right. She, she called him, called him uh, Trump, not Bush. In both houses. No way. After uh, President no way. Trump won, President Obama came out. I remember being at the White House and he said Democrats are characterized as coastal, liberal, latte sipping, politically correct, out of touch folks. Californians like Nancy. We have to be in those communities. How do you do that? Well, he was just president for eight years. I don't think he was describing himself. But in he, that way. He's, he was describing the challenge you have in 2018. Well, it is. It, we always have a challenge. And that is, again, I take it back to the Affordable Care Act. So many people benefited from it. Some of them voted for Donald Trump. So we have to, if you, I, say, I say to people, if it, it happens with your spouse as well. Mm-hmm. If you think you're communicating and they don't think you're communicating, you're not communicating. So it isn't about our agenda. It isn't even about our message. It's about our communication of it. And the, uh, right now, this week, we're in a fight for our lives and the lives of many people in our country because we must defeat 
what is going on in the Senate. Woo! You said you're a master legislator. Let's see your sense of where the Congress is. Well, did she say that or Bader? I... What kind of bill will come out of the Senate? And, and we know that. Will the president and will the Republican get enough votes in the Senate to pass it? I don't think anybody knows that right now. Maybe Mitch McConnell does. So it looks like WW found something. There's nothing too super current, but from the Hill at least, it looks like WW found a report that says uh, Pelosi's net worth by 2011 had grown 62%. So, I mean, who knows where those kind of memes come from? Uh, so let's let's stop here because they just kind of get off into the weeds now about uh, stuff that's actually already out of date. Uh, and uh, this interview, there's some key words in here. See if you can recognize what they are that piqued my interest. You know, now she says, you know, she does sell. She's raised a whole heck of a lot of money. Talking about Pelosi, obviously. She says she says she's a master legislator. You disagree? Oh, there's no question. She is a prolific fundraiser. She has millions and millions of dollars. Is that a master legislator? But uh, what has that money gotten us in the last four election cycles? So money's not enough, you're saying, anymore? Well, I think that... uh, I'm not saying that whoever comes in is going to be able to raise as much money as she is, but uh, the money will be raised. Uh, But the fact is, is when you take a look at those last four election cycles, all that money has been for naught. Money, money, money. So, Congressman, you were Hold on. part of a closed-door meeting yesterday with people of like minds who want to see Nancy Pelosi go. What did you decide to do? What specific action did you come up with? Well, if you can imagine, uh, there was 12 members in that meeting for about 12 minutes because we got called for votes. So there was lots of opinions and not much got accomplished. Um, so uh, what we agreed to do is meet when we come back uh, to Washington, D.C. next week. So well, well. I'd have more to say about that, I think, when we come back next week. Now, let's start listening uh, to uh, some of the wording here. So no specifics. Look, Nancy Pelosi has been leader for 2003. Uh, and one of the reasons is, is, you know, she's been able to fight off any competition. Quote, unquote, fight off, guys. Are you afraid? Of retribution? Are you afraid of retribution? No, I'm not afraid of retribution. Uh, My point is uh, very simple, and that is as we move forward to the 2018 elections, we want to regain the majority, especially uh, in light of the Trump presidency, and our best shot at that is to win swing districts. And uh, I just think that at the end of the day, uh, Leader Pelosi just doesn't uh, help our candidates in those swing districts with independent voters and Republican voters whom I think, uh, given the Trump policies, will we'll be able to swing our way. Politically savvy. Their own political maneuvering is what leads to her downfall. There's a lot of revolt, though. I respect any opinion that my members have, uh, but... Uh, uh, my decision about how long I stay is not up to them. Oh. I've been very clear that we need leadership change. Uh, there's no question about it. The Democratic Party has a toxic brand, one that is worse than Donald Trump's. And every oh, poll no. that we see, every stat that we see shows that Leader Pelosi just doesn't uh, help our candidates. The reality is that, you know, the fact that we have to go into 2018 uh, with a, a leader who has been damaged. Asif race better be a wake-up call. For Democrats, business as usual isn't working. Our leadership needs to explain what happened, needs to explain why these resources essentially have gone to waste. The rationale for getting new leadership is we are losing. The Democratic brand is pretty bad. And we have been losing since 2010. 
is it inevitable that we're going to keep the current leadership or is there another road that people want to go down? If elected, I will not vote for Nancy Pelosi for speaker. Time to move forward and win again. If we are going to win, the two, if we're going to regain the majority in 2018, uh, we have to have new leadership. Nancy Pelosi doing an effective job as leader? Then I'd put Nancy Pelosi's record up against uh, Donald Trump's record any day. So you support her remaining as leader? I think she's done a great uh, job. So she, she should stay as leader then, Congressman? Well, I'm chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. And it's clear that I think across the board in the Democratic Party, we need new leadership. Do you want to go into the into the midterm elections with Speaker Leader Pelosi as our leader? They had their time on today. Oh, Nancy. Hashtag oh, Nancy. All right, so that's enough of Oh Nancy, but there are, let's see, I played you five clips, and there's there's 19 clips total in the overtime folder for just Oh Nancy alone. You know how I say we have enough content for a couple of episodes a week? Look at this. <clears throat> just, I'll just, look at this, just uh, right here, I'll show it to you. These top five clips are the ones I'm playing, and then the rest are all the stuff we don't have time to get to today. <laughs> I, we could definitely do two episodes a week, patreon.com slash unfilter. Although I don't think I'd actually, actually do Oh Nancy twice a week. I'm just going to save that up, but you get my drift. It's like that in every single category. Now, one of the things that came up during some of the recent Russia investigations was that Comey felt pretty uncomfortable with Lynch, Loretta Lynch, the attorney general at the time, forcing him, essentially, to use the same language as the Clinton campaign and caused him to take certain actions that would otherwise seem unorthodox. And it seems like there could be some fallout from that. President Obama's Justice Department eyeing former Attorney General Loretta Lynch for potential obstruction of justice in her handling of the Clinton email investigation. So here to weigh in, New York Post columnist and author of Infiltration is Paul Sperry. Paul, nice to see you and welcome back to the show. Good morning. All right, so walk us through this. You believe that this is about to heat up, and we should be paying more attention to this than the Russia probe. Why do you think this is about to get a whole lot hotter? Yeah, so these are some major developments, and they do not bode well for Democrats. Not only is the Senate now investigating officially the Obama administration for obstruction of justice, but they're also investigating the origins of this discredited dossier that Democrats used to launch their witch hunt against Trump on Russia, and that uh, witch hunt could backfire on them uh, now if this really heats up, like you say, with subpoenas, hearings, and also possibly a criminal investigation down the road. And why don't you think we've had more coverage in the mainstream media? You would think that they would be at least covering this a little bit. I mean, you look at mainstream media, we've covered the, fat, the, the stats over the past two days. There's been basically zero coverage of, of this. I mean, you helped break this story. You're saying it's a big deal. Why is the media not taking it as seriously? Well, because they're part of the witch hunt. And, you know, a lot of them are Democrat mouthpieces. Oh. Uh, so that's how it goes. But investigate. Oh, you know what? I, I love it when Fox News talks about the media. God, that's my favorite thing ever. I love that. Just. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> oh, the media. <laughs> it's. Yeah. 
Um, let's let's go into uh, speaking of the media. Let's go into one of the press conferences. Named sources use uh, stories without sources. Have uh, you know? You mentioned the Scaramucci story. This is uh, Sanders. Uh, Sarah. Uh, uh, sorry, not. It's Sarah Huckabee Sanders, which tell boy if I, if that doesn't if that's not hard to remember just because of all the different political like uh, like like the, there's so much baggage on Sanders and Huckabee, <laughs> and then, so you have a person here who has the name of of Huckabee Sanders. Like wow. Anyway, so this is Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and uh, she's filling in for Spicy Sean, and uh, it gets a little uh, heated here. Mentioned the Scaramucci story where they had to have reporters resign. Come on, you're inflaming everybody right here right now with those words you, you, this administration has done that as well why in the name of heavens any one of us right are replaceable and any- she's almost smiling it for a second there you see that like look at her i mean it's a frown but it's like a frown smile you see that you'd have to be watching the video version but i swear that looks like glee with a frown <laughs> why in the name of heavens any one of us right are replaceable and any one of us if we don't get it right the audience has the opportunity to turn the channel or not read us. And she laughs at that. She laughs at that because she knows it's bullshit. She knows you can sit there and pump out fake crap constantly and people eat it up. The more salacious it is, the, the more they'll watch. I think, I you think, have been elected to serve for four years at least. There's no option other than that. We're here I think, to ask you questions. Right. We're here to provide the answers. And what you just did. He's doing a – he's – you know, he's yeah, – here's what gets me about this. Uh, it's sort of like when you get in a when you get in a conversation with somebody and it turns into an argument, and then all of a sudden one of them blows up and accuses you of being the monster, but that they're one yelling. He's yelling at her, and he is using the phrase "you, you, you." He's saying "you" constantly, which is aggressive. That's it. That is considered aggressive, and he's pointing at her and saying, "You are doing this. You are doing." Obviously, as an individual person, she is not doing this. Matt, we're here I think, to ask you questions. Right. We're here to provide the answers. And what you just did is inflammatory to people all over the country who look at it and say, see, once again, the president is right and everybody else out here is fake media. And everybody in this room is only trying to do their job. He knows it's televised, too. I I disagree completely. First of all, I think if anything has been inflamed, uh, it's the dishonesty that often takes place by the news media. And I think it is outrageous for you to uh, accuse me of inflaming a story when I was simply trying to respond to his question. Kevin. Thank you. that, That. Damn. Damn, I if 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 Spicy's out, I want her to stick around. That shit was that was ninja. She he sat there and ripped her up on live television in front of everybody. She smiled in her own weird, awkward way and then shut him down. I actually thought that was pretty good. Uh if I could give her a clip of the day, that would be it. But we must move on. Now here's Rick Perry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I like Texas. It was fun. But here's Rick Perry and uh he has his own way of handling a oddball off-the-wall question. Taking that snapshot and saying, okay, this is you know, a static picture, maybe a little bit unfair. Then following up quickly, if I can, since you, you get behind the scenes in ways that we don't. During the campaign, you famously said of candidate Trump... I remind you that Rick Perry is the United States Secretary of Energy. That was not an episode of The Simpsons that you saw. That's really what's happening here. So he's here giving a press conference 
as the United States Secretary of Energy, and uh, he calls on I – can't, I can't remember off the top of my head which network that guy works for. It's, I think it's NBC, but I, I feel like that I might, I might be fuzzy on that. Seems in ways that we don't. During the campaign, you famously said of candidate Trump that his candidacy was a cancer on conservatism. That has nothing to do with energy today. <laughs> but, he's, but, he's, but he's been here for six months. So, what do you, Secretary? So, Secretary, what do you make of it? You get to see How him. Are per- you? you get to see him in person. What Good do you to make see of you? I like that he's still shouting in the background. You ask. What do you make of his conservatism? It's uh-huh. a simple question. <laughs> it's a simple question. Follow me. Yes, sir. Okay, great. I thought you were talking to Tom. Oh, I was. Yeah, I was just okay. saying hi to Tom. Um, just a great so, so uh, maybe he's... <laughs> there you go. So that's how Rick Perry handles the situation. It's kind of fun watching it without uh, the commentary from any of the news networks and just watching the feed. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of he- – um, well, to borrow a phrase from Coda Radio, a lot of hoopla. And it's around this whole press conference with – the one we just saw with uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. This whole thing is – it's this whole turning off the camera thing, whatever you want to call it. It's still really grinding the gears of the reporters. Sometimes they allow the cameras on, sometimes they don't, and they're just not having it. Before the president took his first trip abroad, that now we see you on camera about once a week. Is that a new normal that we would expect? We'll see. We're just, we'll continue to mix things why up. Why are the cameras off? Shot? Try. Why, are they, why did you turn Try. them off? That's CNN's uh, J- Jim Acosta. Can you just Try. give us an answer to that? Can Try. you tell us why you turn the cameras off? Why are they off? Shot? It is a legitimate it's a Try. legitimate question. Try. You are a taxpayer Try. spokesman Try. for the United States government. Try. Can you at least give us an explanation as to why okay, the cameras are off? The New York Times and the Washington Post are like, um, guys, um, we have been covering the presidency since uh, you were um, just like uh, dreams in uh, in your in your mommy and daddy's sperm uh, without cameras. Can we get this out of the way? Can we address the cameras issue? Uh, do you think this? Yeah, be- some days we'll have them, some days we won't. The president's going to speak today in the Rose Garden. Uh, I want the president's voice to carry the day. That's your answer right there. The days when they don't want to override what Trump's message of the day is, they're not going to have cameras. And the days when there's nothing else going on, that's when you're going to get your cameras. That's the answer. That's the answer. The answer is, you sons of bitches have been taking everything from these f- hearings, or um, I guess they're not hearings, what are they feel like hearings, everything from these conf- press conferences, and airing them and making just tons and tons of salacious claims based on clips from these press conferences. You play them on TV. They're on YouTube, constantly live streaming. Hours before Sean comes out on the uh, the little podium there, they're up on YouTube streaming them. It's a huge ratings draw. And everything that's discussed in here becomes the conversation of the day and not whatever the White House wants the conversation to be. Maybe it's it's some jobs thing or it's whatever. It's 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 whatever they want it to be. That's how these that's how it works. And so their whole idea here is, well, if we shut down the camera feeds, they won't have any good content to work with. Some days we want. The president's going to speak today in the Rose Garden. Uh, I want the president's voice to carry the day. Uh, you know, uh, and I think, uh, you know, so as I, look, this is nothing inconsistent with what we've said since day one. Can I ask you about health care? Yes. Uh, so there you the go. Responsibility? I don't know if I agree with it. I would like to always hit, just have cameras. I think the camera should always just be going. Just have a C-SPAN, always have them streaming in that room 24-7. Why not? It's not like they're having secret national security meetings in the press room. Just, I don't know. just seems like uh, it, should, should, it should always be going. But CNN, though, uh, when they're not, uh, when they're not um, getting great clips from press conferences, they got to fill airtime with something. So let's go after Jill Stein and claim she's a Putin stooge. 
There's been a whole lot of commentary recently as to the influence that 2016 Green Party candidate Jill Stein had on our election. Just take a look at all those headlines, as a matter of fact. I'm curious as to what she has to say about this and other current events, and I'm thrilled that joining me now is Dr. Jill Stein. Dr. Stein, this Washington Post story today, this blockbuster that points a finger directly at Vladimir Putin for having directed the meddling in our election, I find to be pretty compelling of his involvement. Does it make you reconsider the dinner invitation that you received in 2015 and whether him giving you that platform was itself a form of meddling? So let's be clear, and I I have not yet seen that article from the Washington Post, but there's been quite a lot of evidence uh, pointing to the hacking into our election systems, especially voter registration, but also local election officials. There are grave concerns about the vulnerability of our election system, and that is not new. In fact, that's why I called for actually a recount so that we could examine, in fact, the voting machines and the software to know, in fact, because right now it's acknowledged that we got a real problem here. And whether it's the Russians, whether it is other hostile nations, whether it is criminal networks, we know that our voting system is wide open and vulnerable to all of it. So we need to get to the bottom of it. And above all, we need to start protecting our voting system right now. That means paper ballots because you cannot corrupt them. It's an enduring record. It means auditing the optical scanners so that we know we have an accurate count and we can go back and recount it if there's a question about it. And we need cybersecurity best practices at all levels of our voting. People can go listen to the testimony before Congress uh, just last week by Alex Halderman, one of the foremost uh, cybersecurity experts. It's not rocket science how to fix this. And we need to make our system protected, not just against Russian interference or Chinese or mafia, but also against private corporations, for example, who control our voting software and who have a stake in the outcome of the election. This system needs to be protected so that Americans can have faith and confidence in it. Okay. I'm for all of that. But now take me inside the dinner you had with Vladimir Putin in 2015 and the prominence that it afforded you. My question is, was that in and of itself a form of meddling along the lines of let me give some attention to Green Party candidate Jill Stein on the theory that any vote, you know, the theory, any vote for Stein is a vote that otherwise would have gone to Hillary. What what was that dinner all about? Tell me about it. Here it is again. So so let's be clear. That was a conference. And that picture actually didn't really begin to circulate until long after the election. So it's not like it was a public relations bump. Uh, It essentially wasn't covered here in the U.S. There was media at that conference, and it was a day-long conference, where my message was very clear. It was the message of my campaign, which was that we need a peace offensive in the Middle East. Now, this was not a message that was particularly friendly to the Russians. It was saying to them that we need to stop the bombing. They had just begun bombing in Syria. and I- So they don't really have anything on her, but you can see how they keep pushing. In fact, the interview goes on for like another three minutes. Uh, oh, man, I tell you what, it, the, anything they can do to reach. 
Uh, okay, so I mentioned this earlier in the show. Uh, there was a uh, interview that Tucker Carlson did that I thought was really good. I would have included it earlier in the show. It just it didn't flow. It didn't fit. And it talks about the trade of power in D.C. and why the media is kind of as awful as it is. It's not out of necessarily even malice. It's what I've talked about before. And it's why we're a Patreon model. It's because it's all about access and information change. How did it happen? Cheryl Atkinson hosts Full Measure with Cheryl Atkinson and is the author of a very fitting and really interesting new book called The Smear. It comes out tomorrow and she joins us tonight. Cheryl, CNN, I think, was liberal, you know, for a long time. But this is different from what we've seen before. And it's not just CNN, it's other news organizations. What changed? Well, I worked there a long time ago from, I think it was 1990 to 1993. But I think a lot of news organizations in the past three to four years have undergone a huge sea change, but especially in the past 18 months to two years of campaign 2016. And I talk about in the book, I think this is a confluence of factors, including we have now invited uh, pundits and political operatives into our newsroom, not just as commentators and pundits, but also as reporters, anchors, and editorial positions. So Sometimes there's a little meaningful difference now, I think, between the people who are reporting the news and the political operatives who want to advance news narratives. That's yes. the problem. Um, I also think that the establishment, I'm talking Democrats, Republicans, and the media establishment, have um, exempted themselves from the normal journalism rules and rules of political behavior because they see Donald Trump as such a big threat. They would say huh. a Hitler-esque threat that means they don't have to follow the normal rules of journalism in this case. Um, I think it's more of a threat to the system of favors, money, and access that has been developed through what we've known as the political establishment. So it's not just a conventional left-right thing where they're liberal, Trump is conservative, they hate him. There's something different going on. Is well, it the populism I, of Trump that scares I, them? I think it's the fact that Washington survives, you know, as well as I do. Keep Nancy Pelosi in mind as she's about to describe this. Uh, and, of course, you could trade Nancy Pelosi, I think, for um, Lindsey Graham or uh, obviously John McCain. So you could interchange whichever party you want to demonize. Uh, but uh, you pick and uh, you and then use this, this model that she's talking about here. And you can understand why they remain in power for so long. On a system that's gone on for decades of access and money where people have spent decades – paying into certain politicians, Democrats and Republicans alike, to make sure yep. certain political hearings don't happen. To as a rich person or as a corporation, you buy your politician, you know, and they become your brand. Of your, 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 you got McCain. McCain's your guy. And that's, that's really good if you, uh, if you work at GMC or Boeing, if you're Raytheon. That's really good. That's a good thing. If you're Silicon Valley, you're Google, and you want access to uh, the roads to test your self-driving cars, you're willing to pay Nancy Pelosi a lot of money when she calls you up and says, I need to send $32 million to Georgia. Well, you know what? You want Nancy Pelosi's help to let your self-driving cars on the road. Simple. It's simple exchange. It's business. It's just business, guys. Into certain politicians, Democrats and Republicans alike, to make sure certain political hearings don't happen, to make sure certain laws have, have provisions written in. All of a sudden, overnight, all of that access they've bought, all the hard work they've done as lobbyists and so on, is almost worthless if Trump's reality of Washington comes into play. And nobody seems to like that. This is why the political body seems to reject him 
from the right, from the left, from the intel, from the deep state, that this is why. So he's a threat to them personally, to I their jobs, so. I think so. to their way of doing things. So I wonder what, what's the long term cost? I mean, if you act like Trump is, you know, a despot and you continue doing that and he turns out not to be a despot, flawed in some ways, but he's not Mussolini. Like, what happens to your credibility after a while? Talking about the news media? Or yeah, the just news media. The news media, I think, is suffering a credibility gap in general because it has decided to blur together like I've never seen before um, opinion and advocacy journalism with what I think people would like to think is more straight news journalism reporting of just the facts. And I think that harm is going to take a long time to dial back if they even want to dial it back, and I'm not sure we do. What happens when there's a crisis, and there will be one, if there's a war or something awful happens and the whole country turns on its TV sets to find out just the facts of it, and we begin to realize that nobody believes the news anymore? What happens then? I kind of liken it in the extreme to, you know, the situation as it must be in North Korea. If you have a TV and can watch the news and it's going to be a version that's approved and put out by the state... Um, I think in some respects we are getting an artificial reality created by people who are putting out narratives, whether Democrats, Republicans, or corporate interests. And people sense, at least some people, that they're not getting an accurate picture. And I think if you're like me, there's very little that I see reported on the news that I instantly believe without doing my own I checking. Because I got to tell you, just really a quick story happened to me last night. What an experience I had. <clears throat> I really... I was uh, sitting at a little brewery um, way down Highway 20 towards, uh, towards the mountains. There's no cell signal. It is a hick town. It, it, it was literally a wood hut. I kid you not. I was, uh, <laughs> I was – the brewery is a wood hut and I was sitting in there eating a turkey sandwich. And that they had made on a hot plate that they have there and then a little mini fridge because it's a brewery and I think there's some weird law where they have to serve food too. And they have a flat screen television on the wall and the locals are there, some of them wearing shorts with no shoes, uh, kids running around in the yard. Just It's a real small town. It was an area that I had been camping in uh, for uh, for a week. <clears throat> And last night was our last night in the area. And so we wanted to go have a really super local experience. Now, to make a long story short, they had TV up on the, on the, on the screen and, it's, and it's, it's the news. And the news comes on and it's a, it's a story about how bad uh, homemade sunscreen is. Homemade sunscreen – and it has this whole piece about how – homemade sunscreen is like totally awful and it gives you all these examples of how people have these burns and – this interesting thing happened because everybody was local and friendly. They're all just talking. They're all just sitting table to table shouting to each other, you know, back and forth. Man, you hearing this? Yep. Another story where they want you to go buy something with chemicals in it. Of course they don't want you to make it yourself. Yeah. You know, we make it ourselves. We don't really ever have – we don't have any problems. Yeah. Well, I just don't even wear the damn stuff. And, like, this is going back and forth. Nobody in the restaurant – well, it's not a restaurant. It's a brewery. But, you know, there's a dozen people in here. Nobody's buying any of the stories on the TV. The next story comes up about ransomware. Nobody's buying the narrative. They're all sitting there talking about different stuff. And in the corner, I hear people talking about Bitcoin and Litecoin, Ethereum. It was amazing. 
As somebody who has followed this industry for this long, it's amazing to see how little the public trusts what the media is telling them on the television and about how they just simply, simply don't buy it. Like, I, I couldn't, like, there wasn't a moment, like, nobody in there was standing up going, well, actually, you know, I actually made it, and it was horrible, and my kids got really burned, I'll never do it again. Like, everybody's like, yeah, they're just trying to scare you. And I, I'm not saying that they're right or wrong, it's just immediately nobody buys it. Nobody buys it anymore, because they, they just, they don't know, I guess, I guess they either trust their own opinion, or what they Google, or what they see on Twitter, or Facebook. I don't know what it is people buy anymore and believe, but it's definitely not what the media is telling them. And I, I tell you what, sitting there in this brewery in Podoc, Kicktown, Washington, it really opened up my eyes. To, to, it's not just in the little tech bubble that I live in, but it was just an average Americans sitting around watching a television talking to each other. They were all just openly skeptical about everything coming through. Very little that I see reported on the news that I instantly believe without doing my own I checking because so many formerly reputable news organizations have been proven to be 180 degrees wrong, not just a little bit wrong. But like in the case where so many insisted President Trump was under investigation when he wasn't, so many that insisted it couldn't be true that Comey had told him three times he wasn't under investigation when that was the case. These sorts of things with very little repercussions when the reporting turns out to be wrong based on, I think, highly inadequate standards, reporters doing things that wouldn't be allowed in journalism school, but doing them now with impunity. And you could go even farther back. Trump's going to lose their weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. I mean, time again, no one is ever held to account for lying, in effect. Or getting something woefully wrong because they aren't doing due diligence. Exactly. Cheryl Atkinson, the book is great. Well, they are, to a degree. It seems to be in the court of public opinion. They are being held accountable. And this is my point. This is my point. So she she was under attack by CBS for a bit, too. And so I think this is where this book comes from. Um, I want to back up on something they said there. They really lost credibility with this election. They blew it. They were also convinced Hillary was going to win. They were also convinced of their power structure of trading information and access and coverage. They were just convinced Hillary was going to win. And they were completely disconnected from the populist opinion. They didn't understand Bernie, and they didn't understand Donald. And they still don't. They still, they still don't. I, I think one of the biggest, biggest things for me during the election was listening to NPR struggle with covering Trump. Because I had enjoyed NPR as sort of a low-key, easy way to consume news. And I, I like their I like their mobile app, to be honest, and it integrates in with my Echo. So to me, it's just a great way to get good sounding news on the go. But to listen to them totally struggle to understand Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. Like it's it, it revealed to me that it didn't feel it didn't feel intentional on their part. It simply was a cultural institutional bias that prevented them from fully understanding what was going on. It's a great, it's a great interview, and I thought, I thought I wanted to play the whole thing because it really got me thinking. Anyways, Leon Panetta. I don't know how, I don't know how much he speaks for the CIA. Of course, the the old saying goes, "Once a company man, always a company man." But uh, Leon Panetta, the old CIA boss, is out saying that 
Donald Trump doesn't have credibility. Earlier tonight, I spoke with Leon Panetta, longtime member of Congress, the Democratic Party in California, former White House chief of staff to Bill Clinton, former secretary of defense and former director of the CIA. I started by asking him about something President Trump wrote on Twitter, quote, the reason that President Obama did nothing about Russia after being notified by the CIA of meddling is that he expected Clinton would win. He didn't choke, he colluded or obstructed. Here is Leon Panetta's response. Well, I, I think the uh, president uh, will use any kind of diversion he can uh, to try, try to take attention away from him and his responsibility. So it seems to me, I'm just, by based on his initial responses so far, first of all, they couldn't have found literally a more biased person to ask except for maybe President Obama or Hillary Clinton. Uh, but that aside, um, I think he's going off old talking points here. The diversion talking points not what we go with anymore. That's, that's, that's old stuff now. We need to, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get uh, on the phone, Panetta, before you get him in, come into these interviews. You gotta get the new talking points. To take attention away from him and his responsibility as president to, uh, to deal with uh, what the Russians not only did during the election, but the threat that they represent in the future. I, I just, uh, I, I don't see a lot of, a lot of credibility uh, by someone who has called uh, the Russian uh, interference, a hoax, a, a witch hunt. A service member, director, I mean, isn't the, isn't, aren't they the military? Maybe not. Maybe they're not. I just can't believe former high-level government officials coming on national television and saying the current president of the United States doesn't have credibility. Despite their actual feelings. Like, it's just a different era we live in. This kind of political commentary I don't feel existed in the past. ...not only did during the election, but the threat that they represent in the future. I, I just, uh, I, I don't see a lot of, a lot of credibility... Uh, by someone who has called uh, the Russian uh, interference a hoax. Of course, former director of the Spooks. Tons of credibility. Tons of credibility. This one sort of piqued my interest a little bit. Over to Germany now, where the parliament has approved a law allowing the country's secret services to monitor mes messaging platforms like WhatsApp. Now, critics say that this plan infringes civil liberties. RG's yeah. Peter Oliver has more. What? The German parliament has adopted this law that would allow WhatsApp messages or any other messaging service that use encryption um, to be, well, those messages that are sent to be read by the authorities. How can he be blowing this that bad? What's up messages? What's up? What's up messages? And he's well fumbling the entire, well, um, thing. What they do is they intercept it before it's sent from one device to another where the encryption takes place. Um, now, this is a, a move that's been uh, referred to by the interior minister here in Germany, Thomas de Marizia, is essential when it comes to the fight against essential. terror. We've also heard similar things coming from the, um, the European Union summit that's ongoing in Brussels at the moment from the EU Council President, Donald Tusk, he said that authorities need access to this type of information need if they're to try and stop future terrorist attacks. Now, mind you that all of the terrorist attacks that have been happening recently, 
all of them since this show started have happened during massive domestic spying, especially in France, especially in France, where they are still in a state of emergency as far as I'm aware. And so here in the States as well, massive domestic spying at unprecedented levels. And all of these attacks have still happened. European Council have also agreed on the need to cooperate closely with the online industry. We are calling on social media companies to do whatever is necessary to prevent the spread of terrorist material on the Internet. So this, uh, this raises the obvious question in our chat room. Are they going to ban open source software? What are they going to do there? But obviously they're not. Obviously they can't. They can't, they can't go back either and retroactively change SSL and get access to everyone's SSL sessions because there's no way they could get every server system in the world updated to comply. It just wouldn't happen. Not only do they not have the authority, but nobody updates their systems. So the only, the only, only success I can imagine this having would be new communications networks that are created in the jurisdictions where these laws are passed, have backdoors. So anything new. And anything large enough that if they want to participate in that economy, they're going to have to talk to the government and implement their wishes. So your large commercial applications, like your WhatsApp, your Skypes, they'll have to make changes. But your open source messengers like Signal and Wire, Telegram perhaps even, they're not going to change a damn thing. Not only do they not have the jurisdiction to make them, but it's just simply incompatible with distribution in the other places around the world. So they're not going to change anything. They can't. So what are the terrorists going to do? They're just going to use those applications. So the effective result... We'll be monitoring of average civilians using the generally commercially available software that already has agreements in place with the government to provide the access they want. So the only thing this accomplishes is domestic surveillance. It doesn't accomplish surveillance of terrorists because apparently they all get some sort of email from a walkie from the grave telling them how to encrypt their stuff. And so they jump around to the most popular encryption. Or we've also heard they just encrypt their own stuff. That'll be the next story. Well, now ISIS has rolled their own encryption because of these changes. And of course, they're not giving us a backdoor. Which would also be bullshit. If they rolled their own encryption, it would be the worst thing ever. It'd be, a, it'd be a gift to law enforcement. So the only thing I can see this accomplishing is monitoring of your everyday citizens. Doesn't seem like it's going to get access to any terrorist communications because they'll just jump to anything. I mean, at the end of the day, they could just use WhatsApp and just use GPG to encrypt the information before they paste it into the application. They could do that over an SMS text message, too. You think you're going to get GPG to build in a backdoor? I don't think so. What if they start using OpenSSH? And they just log into a system. <laughs> what are you gonna? And they just change the message of the day, and then they log out. You can get a lot. You can get a backdoor to that. What are you gonna do? You, there's no way around this problem. There's no way to break math. That's the thing about encryption. It's math.
And anything that does get compromised will just get put on some sort of terrorist list of not, things not to use and get distributed around these ISIS forms that nobody can ever find. Seems like a loser to me. Maybe I've got it easy here in podcasting land. I mean, sure, we do these shows live, and I'd love to have you be here live. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if something came up, we could hit stop, go take a leak, and come back. But in broadcast, things are really by the clock. In fact, I think some things must be automated. And uh, the BBC had a bit of a breakdown recently. And this would have just pretty much gone unnoticed over here in the States, except for CBS had to go ahead and have a little fun. Mm. That's what it was like. This is this is not fake video. Listen to this. The BBC had a dramatic and embarrassing technical glitch last night. There was a technical problem just a few seconds before the news at 10 went on the air. So the anchor, his name is Hugh Edwards, just sat there in silence while they fixed the problem. It took four oh, no. very long minutes. Oh, no. One viewer tweeted that seeing Edwards sitting there looking worried at the top of the broadcast was, quote, how I imagined the world would end. So that oh. thing kept going, and he's just yeah. sort of sitting there. Yeah, in our business, that's just that painful. Painful to watch, yeah. Sorry to hear that happen. People surround us in the control room want us to know it would never happen. It would never We're happen not. here. Knock on plexiglass. Thank you, control room crew. Should we see a shot of the control room? Yeah, we should. Yeah. Let's see a sure. shot of the control room, the people that would never let that happen. Yay, control there. room! Yay! Yes, never for minutes. It's an awkward thing. Listen to what he says here. Listen, he says like Charlie like doesn't want to give him too much credit. He's like, yeah, but not for four minutes. Like it could still happen though. Yes, never four minutes in silence. Never four minutes, but it could happen. (laughs) I don't know what that was about. All right, and then uh, my last clip of the day. This is a moment in broadcast television that's classic. CNN's had a bad week, guys. Real bad week. And I don't know if they tell their. I I. I think they tell their guests to be combative. I think they say, fight back, push back, push back. I bet you that's what they say, because that's Wolf's. I'm going to push back on that. That's what Wolf always says. I bet they say, push back, push back. We want tension. That's got to be, that's got to be how this happened, because I'm watching this clip here, and these are professional broadcasters, and it, it seems really odd that this would happen unless... There was, before before they even went on the air, there was a conversation to say, all right, we want this to be edgy. We want this to really grab people's attention. So let's create, let's create some tension. Feel free to just push back. You know, really, if I say something, I just, I really want you to push back on it because we're just going to put all this out there. That's my generous version of how this clip comes to an existence. I think this is producer Matt's favorite clip of the week. Out of all of them that we have in the supporters' sync and the ones we've played in the show, I think this is it right here. This is uh, Don Lemon having a moment. Uh, First of all, the judge, and I was there at the trial, uh, indicated to the jurors in that first criminal trial that they were not to discuss deliberations or how others voted 
uh, after they were released Gloria, from Gloria, their jury let, service. Let me put it, because now, there's a jury. Wait a second. That, no, 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 I'm going to play the jury soundbite for you, and I'm going to let, let you respond. Let me finish. This is Don. Wait, let me finish. Gloria, I want you to finish. I, I just no, want to play the juror. don't talk over me. I want to address your point. Okay, can we play the soundbite, please? And here's your point. Gloria, I'm playing the soundbite so that I can help you make your point. Oh, okay. Here's a juror. Oh, oh. Oh, is that what we're doing? Let, let me respond. finish. This is Don. Wait, let me finish. Gloria, I want because, you to finish. Uh, I just no, want to play the juror. don't talk over me. I want to address your point. Okay, can we point. play the soundbite, please? And here's your point. Gloria, I'm playing the soundbite so that I can help you make your point. Oh, so, okay. So, good. Here's a juror. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, thanks for tuning into the show. That's it for episode 242. I love your faces. Thank you for supporting us at patreon.com slash unfilter. If you've got the supporters thing... Check out the extra clubs we couldn't get to. If you don't have the sync yet, go back in the back catalog, get the BitTorrent sync, help me back it all up, because we're going to move to something new eventually, and uh, you'll be my backup in case that goes horribly wrong. All right, thank you very much for being here. And if you, oh, you know what? One more thing. If you're not a patron, you can still support us. Spread the word about the show. Spread the word about the show. Spread the word about the show.